5: Be this way. Your job's a joke. You broke. Your love lies the other way. It's like you're always stuck in second.
6: I'm your host, Stella, and this is Back to the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 122, the San Diego Comic-Con 2016 wrap-up for August MMXVI. Back Row the Oracle is brought to you by the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast.
7: <laughs> the Lonely Hearts Romance
8: Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics, and about romances in
9: comics with Siskoid
10: We're all uh, French Canadians here Marty In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, (laughs) romance (laughs) tinge, I guess Okay.
11: (laughs) Bass We Uh, just turned on him (laughs) And yours truly, Fern I'm
8: very aroused Featuring the overproduced wonder that is romance comics theater every episode
12: Dan, I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me.
13: I... I
8: do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available at lonelyheartspodcast.wordpress.com and on iTunes. We've had a comic
3: book romance.
6: Backworld the Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic bookstore. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage-back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Batgirl the Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts. Hashtag TBU family. Help TBU keep the lights on. Please donate to help Dustin with rising server fees. Your support means your favorite shows will continue airing. Go to thebatmanuniverse.net to learn more and donate today. I donated. Have you? Well, here I am, slowly recovering from San Diego Comic-Con, and that's what the show is about. What did I do? What panels did I see? The interviews that I got, and of course, being just a huge quip show as I did last year. So going into that and segueing from that, I know I was called out last year. I know Jacob called me out, but there was somebody else, and... They said, of course, because I started off and I said, this should be pretty short, you know, under two hours. I'm just going to show some clips and I think it turned into probably a four hour or three plus. So I'm going in. I'm not going to lie to you, however accidentally that was. And there are some huge clips on here, so just be prepared for that, but I know that Either you will be on the website and you, uh, the Batman Universe website, and you'll tune in and see recaps that are in print or transcribed interviews, but here you'll get the unedited versions uh, to a certain extent, and so you can hear what actually went on. And that's especially fun for the round table panels. Some of the round that I went to, just a note, uh, obviously, or I guess not obviously, will not appear here. And there are other places that they will pop up. And when I get to those time periods, I will certainly let you know where you can find them if you so desire. So let me just get this started by warning listeners here that this particular tale is not for the faint of heart. There's certainly some woe. Um, it was a roller coaster ride of feelings with this particular San Diego Comic Con. And I think each San Diego that I go there, this was my sixth time, I believe. Each of them has a particular identity or something that I take away from it that's, you know, the highlighter or the low light, certainly. And I don't know if, you know, there have been some difficult ones, either for personal or professional reasons. Um, you know, I got sick at a couple of them. That one where I got food poisoning, I think, was worse than the other time that I got uh, a cold and, you know, some sort of weird professional stuff that that goes on but i don't know if necessarily uh they got me as worked up as this particular comic-con did so you know just stay tuned for you know why and and to some extent i can't really talk about it if it is in the professional boundary and i'm sure a lot of you can already guess and and know why I was (laughs) why I uh, personally I was upset as well but so it it was just a frustrating trip but but there are certainly moments that uh, made up for a lot of the bad moments so I just want to you know what you know it's not going to be like a dark tale but there are going to be some down moments that I want to talk to you about so I first want to talk to you a little bit about pre-con stuff that I do and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before but in prior years you know when I started working for the Batman universe Dustin he's very organized he sends us the schedule and everything and what I had been doing was working sort of the night before you know oh you're interviewing Scott Snyder um which hasn't happened until this year so you know just for an example you're interviewing X and tomorrow and so the night before I would come up with questions usually would post on the Facebook page or some place like that you know for fans to say do you have any questions about x and and what he or she is doing and i decided that i mean it's it's pretty stressful i think some people can really live in the moment and do that some people don't even need to prepare questions they just go in maybe with a few points they want to but very off the cuff and, and go off of what their answers are and things like that but that's not really me i do really like to be prepared and uh, you know moments before it it really starts the morning before the night before, uh, interviews, I will read through the questions that I have and I will actually memorize them, um, in, you know, the order that I think fits and, and really flows well so that I'm not looking at, you know, the journal or the paper that I have. And then, you know, I, I do have the ability of course to go off and ask follow-up questions if I feel like there's, there's something there. But, All that to say that the night before stuff wasn't really working for me, it was a little too stressful for me, I didn't really, I wanted to be better prepared than that. So last year, once Dustin had let me know of the interviewers, or the creators that he had requested, the round tables, and uh, different events that we would go to, I did about like one a day, I would say, uh, of these particular creators. So, for example, I was going to interview Tom King and Tim Seeley, who were at that point in time last year working on Grayson. So, I reread the entire Grayson run, which I think, you know, 12 issues, it's, it's really not that bad. So, in a day, I would reread that whole thing, and then I would start coming up with questions, and that would be, you know, my day's work there. And so, coming into the con, All of my prerequisite stuff was done, the research that I needed to do. And I felt so much freer uh, because I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to stress over, you know, making these questions and and, and anything else. And um, so I really wanted to do that this year. This year was a little bit tighter because Comic-Con and a mission trip that I went on last year flipped. So the mission trip was first, and then Comic-Con was just like two and a half days later, and uh, I was a little concerned about that. It actually uh, worked out, though. Uh, Dustin got me, you know, the creators that he had requested, and as far as we knew, we were going to have time slots with. And... So I I came up with questions. So that was sort of my pre, you know, what am I doing for Comic-Con? And I'd say it was, I didn't have to do as much research this year. I did do some, but I have already been reading. Um, A lot of these books are, if you think about it, in their infancy because Rebirth just started. So, you know, rereading a couple titles is not that bad, but you know, Detective and, and Batman, we're going in-depth with them on the Batman Universe comic podcast. So I sort of had that mindset already. So let's just say that pre-SDCC, I had prepared. I, I was ready to go to a certain extent. Uh, didn't come up with questions for, for some of the roundtables that I knew I was going to be at, but uh, co- two of them I, I figured that I wasn't going to interact at all, and then um, the other two are are easier to come up with. Uh, I'll let you know which ones those were when we get to it. So now let me take you to Tuesday evening.
5: Oh my god. Oh my
14: god. Well, I gotta buy a vowel. <laughs> because
4: oh.
14: Jesus. Oh my
6: God! I keep my day open just because I don't really need to do anything stressful when I'm flying out, five fifteen on Wednesday morning, and I figure I'm going to wake up at two a.m., get to the airport at three. Okay, so Tuesday I'm keeping it open, so. I'm going to go to bed at like eight, nine, uh, because any earlier I probably won't be able to fall asleep and I'll just be laying in bed anyways. Any later, it's not going to work out. I I need as much sleep as possible. So I'm watching something. It's probably friends cause I, um, I've been on that for the first time watching friends and it's about five o'clock I'd say. And I turned, to check something on my phone and, uh, oh the phone had power down on itself now this isn't too shocking now this is the pp phone i don't think i ever explicitly talked about the pp phone i remember that shag was on and he asked me about it but this was the phone that i went into the bathroom and i i dropped it i was going to put it on the countertop and it more like fell out of my hands and it literally made a parabolic arc into the toilet and this was in april so it has powered up but it has some fits sometimes so every so often it will it'll shut down and you can't power it on and you've got to plug it in and keep it charged up for a while and then do like the power but hold the power button and the volume button for it to sort of boot up and everything and you know if you keep it on the power for two hours it should be fine it should wo- it should work It's not working. Uh, I'm waking up, you know, in the middle of the night. It's one of those things where, like, you go to sleep and there's something already in the back of your mind. And so you can't really... You're sleeping fitfully. So I'm waking up and I'm checking, can I power it up? It is not working. It's not working at 11 p.m. I, I think that was the last time that I checked it. And I'm going on my plane. And, you know, the concern is not only... You know what a what a trope or a cliche, right? Uh, a young person is tied to his or her phone and can't be without it. I could care less, honestly. The, the reason why I'm concerned is is threefold. Number one, uh, my because I am single and you know on my own, uh, my parents do they're more concerned. For me, and obviously I'm traveling, and if you have no way to get in touch with somebody, I think that's a little get disconcerting for anyone at any age. So that was something. I, I couldn't also get in touch with Don and Josh and say, you know, I'm getting in such and such. So I'm like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get together? Photos, because... You know, you can see a lot of the memorabilia and merchandise and things online. And, and I know Don takes a lot of pictures. But it's your own pictures and your own memories that you're trying to make. So I was bummed about that. And also, professionally, I had no way to record. So I'm going in, and these are the things that are freaking me out. It's still not working on the plane. I remember getting into Charlotte and... And, well, first of all, let me tell you that it was the first time flying out of my regional airport, and I had gotten there at three, because, you know, two hours before, so, and I park in the long-term parking, and I get up there, and American Airlines isn't even open inside the actual terminal, which I think is so funny that I got there that early. Um, So maybe an hour and a half or an hour would have been sufficient, but now I know. So I get to Charlotte, and I ask, you know, customer service, can I borrow a phone, and, like, you know, they, they check out and they're like, why can't you use your phone? There aren't any pay phones anywhere anymore. Uh, maybe in New York City, that's something that I go every year, but I don't necessarily pay attention to. And I wonder if they do have pay phones. But anyways, the, the airplane people are not letting me use it. They're sort of dubious of my phone and not working. And I'm telling them to try to call my parents. But anyways, no, it doesn't work. So, I use my Kindle, which is great, and I log into Gmail, I guess, and I emailed Don. I said, you know, phone is busted, I can't, you know, I, this is what I'm going to land. I'll try to uh, meet you at baggage claim. This is my airline, all that stuff, but you know, missing missing a lot of things. Um, and of course, I, I can't call my parents. So I try to email them as well, but it's not like they're tied to their uh, their computer. And they don't have smartphones, so you know that's what I'm dealing with. So uh, I land in San Diego, and I'm able to power up my phone actually. But it will only stay on because normally I can, if I do the, you know, hold the power button and the, uh, and I promise it's going to, this is probably really boring to you, but I'm just giving you, you know, where my mindset was going in. This is day one for me, people. So anyways, if I power up and do the volume thing, usually, you know, it starts up and then I can unplug it and it'll be fine. So it was starting up, which was a glimmer of hope, but I unplugged it, bam, shut off. It wouldn't do anything. So I could only mess with it when it was on power which i have you know a portable recharger and i'm able to contact on and when am I, let them know i'm landing my parents all that stuff and uh sometimes like it would it would turn off so it, it was not like it was living i'm afraid that this was like not frankenstein at all this is like the first experiment of Frankenstein or something, because it would go on, and I could do some things, and it would shut off, and then I would turn it on again. It, bam, shut off again. I couldn't do anything. So it was just super frustrating. I was able to meet up with Don. Josh had a later flight, so we waited with uh, waited for him, talked, you know, comic stuff and Rebirth and, and all of the things, and our expectations and, and hopes and fears for this particular Comic-Con. You know, I tell them about my 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 problems with the phone, and and all the while, you know how at airports they have those Best Buy kiosks. I'm thinking, man, should I buy one of those phones there? And I don't know, can I trade the SIM card that's in mine currently and just put it in there? And all of this stuff, but not wanting to, you know, waste a hundred and eighty-nine dollars, I think it was, because if it doesn't turn out like I imagine it, it could, what's gonna happen then? We picked Josh up, and I, frankly, the first thing on my mind is, can I get a new phone or a replacement phone? So they were very gracious, and they let me, and around where we stayed, um, we there was a Verizon place, and um, that, you know... It's Verizon. I don't know what to say. You know, you, I mean, you've all have been through a process of, of getting a new phone, and uh, you know, luckily my my contract was up, or you know, I was uh, I was due for upgrade, I guess is what it's called. Because it's not like this happens to me all the time. This is the first time I've ever dropped it in a toilet. Um, so I think it had been three years since I've had this phone. So, anyways, uh, I got the cheapest phone there was, which was still uh, better than mine, and uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. it. Takes some getting used to, I think but certainly not taking it into the bathroom anytime soon. But, you know, you walk away from that, and the one thing I can say from that experience is the first souvenir I got, and I think that's what I posted on Facebook or told people, the first souvenir I got from San Diego Comic-Con was a $200, you know, bill at Verizon so I could get a phone. Um, But, you know, it really did come out of a place of desperation because I, I needed the phone Again, for, you know, those three reasons of just staying in contact. You get lost at the con to a certain extent. You can't really uh, expect to stay together with your party at all times. You know, you have different ideas of where to go. You have different expectations. You have different duties for, you know, dust in the Batman universe and everything. So, you know, how do you meet up if you don't have that sort of device? And then, of course, pictures and audio recording. You would not have any of these audio clips Had I not gotten a new phone. But I'm so bummed that I had to drop $200 the first day like that. Um, Not certainly not something that I would expect. Everything's
5: Archie.
3: Archie's here. Betty's here. Veronica too. When she's here. Hey, Jugget, where are you? Wanna Have some fun and go adventuring, all my friends are here, but it ain't complete, we ain't
15: the Archies, without the Jughead
3: be whoa, Archie's here, Betty's here, Veronica too, Reggie's here, and here comes Jughead and Hot Dog too, so everything
6: Let's go with the Archie Show! So, after that, I uh, went to the Hard Rock, which is usually our standby, our tradition, I guess we could say, and, and got food and talked. And San Diego did something different this year where actually they mailed out your badges. And the badges are a little more high tech. There's actually a chip with them, and you scan in, scan out of the actual center. And. Yeah, so I guess that's why they wanted to mail them out. So we didn't have to wait in the long line to get our badges like we normally do. Then uh, the boys wanted to go see, the boys meaning, you know, Josh and Don, wanted to go see the pilot of uh, Riverdale, which is basically a take on... Archie comics and, and Archie and Betty and Veronica and Jughead and all those people. And I had nowhere else uh, I necessarily wanted to be except maybe the Confort to look at things. So I also went. And there's probably nothing I can say to describe this series. Besides the fact that it could be horrifying to anybody who enjoys Archie, uh, there was a little girl who seemed to be an Archie fan, uh, a big one, um, just from, you know, her t-shirt and she was having an Archie gun go- And, um, you know, looking over that at, at her when certain things were happening, whew, I don't know. Um, it was basically, it felt like Pretty Little Liars, But even, like, not even as well done. And I probably haven't complained about Pretty Little Liars on this particular show. I do have complaints about it. But that is better done than I think this was. But just, like, dramatizing everything. There is, like, a murder mystery involved in who did it. Um, Sexing up people in sort of a Dawson's Creek way. There's a teacher-student relationship randomly. A random girl-on-girl kiss just to make the cheerleading team. These are... I couldn't make this stuff up. So anyways, I sat there and watched that and, like, what is going on, basically. And after that, there was also a pilot for... An upcoming show starring Vanessa Hudgens called Powerless, uh, which is about an insurance agency dealing with superheroes and things like that. And that was pretty good. I'm not a big fan of H- Vanessa Hudgens, so it's hard for me to get around that, but it was decent. And then we also saw. Uh, teen titans go episode because there's like a five-parter that's coming up and so we saw the first one and the song in that i really want to use it in in here in this ep and in, in this bad girl to oracle episode uh by starfire it was something that i and josh just kept singing uh throughout the con uh, but that was you know that was it for Wednesday, really., uh, we went to the Confort afterwards and walked around and and I took pictures uh, majority of my pictures I would say there then at that time because the populace just grows as the days goes day go as the days go on or by because you know Thursday through Saturday is just crazy, so it's easier to get photos there and I also went to the image booth because i knew that babs Tarr, and brennan fletcher were doing signings and they were on thursday i want to talk and just get a feel for do you think i can you know go in when the con opens and come right over here and i can get a wristband or not and she said the, the lady that w- was talking with me said i don't know if uh You know, chances are that they'll be all gone. So it's like, oh, what do I do? Because I ended up bringing the box of my Batgirl black and white that's based off of the Burnside and then the base for for Babs to sign. And so I didn't want to have brought that in vain. So I'm thinking, oh, man, what am I going to do? And that was basically Wednesday. Wednesday's pretty relaxing, though. You know, I'm already exhausted because if you think about it, waking up at 2 a.m. east coast is actually 11 a.m. p.m. sorry so i kind of was awake for 24 hours i'd say so yeah there you go and now on to thursday
3: hello darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you again
6: So Thursday, I woke up at 4 a.m., and you're wondering to yourself, why, Stella? Why did you wake up at that early time? Well, I decided that if I really wanted that wristband, and I wanted there to be no doubt that I get it, I need to wake up early, get into that line that I did two years ago, stand in line for, you know, the sales pavilion, get in, get it, and then, you know, I can walk around or do whatever. So I did it. And friends, let me tell you that uh, if you're diehard, you can definitely do it You know, all the time that you want to. But for me, I think I can only do it every, every two years because it certainly wore me out. And it was worse than it was at the beginning, I think, because it sort of carried. But I mean, at the end, it could probably be just as worse. So anyways, wake up at 4. By 5, I'm in line and waiting. It started moving maybe at 7 or so maybe yeah maybe and i was able to get across the street um to the actual like area where the convention is because the line at the end of the line is not where the convention is it's a little further away and then we waited there and then by eight um we're moving a little bit more and we get into uh the actual convention center and we're, we're waiting for you know the exhibition hall so altogether, i had waited um for four hours and at nine it opens up i go and get my wristband so it was all worth it for sure meanwhile let me talk about the professional side of what was going down set it up a little bit and also just give you yeah give you some background so dustin had requested nine different interviews and we were Unfortunately, only confirmed for one, and it was a big one. It was Scott Snyder, um, which I was excited about because, my gosh, we talk about him all the time on the Batman Universe comic podcast, and I have never met him, actually. Um, So, you know, I was excited about that. And then um, DC also, you know, the PR people also told Dustin that if you want, you can wait as different interviews are going on. And potentially people will cancel. uh, They'll show up late. Or, you know, maybe there'll be some wiggle room that we can slip you in for something. So one out of nine was confirmed. So I'm sort of thinking, gee, Dustin, do you want me to wait for eight other ones? And he gave me the priority ones. So just so you know, priority that we're going to try to wait for, I was going to try to wait for, uh, the Benson sisters, Julie and Shauna, who are, of course, uh, creators of, or the current writers on Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque, who are the current uh, writer-artists of Batgirl. Tom King, who is writing Batman. James Tynion IV, who's writing Detective. And I think that was it. So sort of the big books, obviously two of them mean a lot to me, right? so just to give you a sense of what that was about so i did go to a, to a few panels and i should just say that overall this year i think i went to way fewer panels than i normally do um, i don't know what it was about a lot of the i mean i have you know you go in and you create your schedule and i have a lot that seemed really interesting to me but for some reason i was just really drawn to the dc booth and waiting there and that's not a sarcasm but sincere that i really wanted an opportunity to talk with these creators but on thursday at eleven thirty, i went to the spotlight on g willow wilson whom uh you may know as being a writer on Ms marvel and that was really interesting to get to know uh her journey um starting off very young as as a journalist and, and being in difficult places, you know, overseas and, and getting to view history from a new lens and of course, um, what her uh experience is like with religion on a personal level. I then went into a Jim Lee spotlight, which I had seen before, which is always always interesting. He talks about, you know, certain certain aspects of his life and his career and he draws as well. And uh then right after that was the one on one with Paul Dinney, um which was really focusing on um, his Dark Knight tale that had just come out, the true story of him being mugged and, and coming to terms with that. And then I partially uh, stayed for Young Gotham, Young Metropolis, um, at least to learn about what uh, backroll was going to be like because I knew Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque were going to be there. And I'm pretty sure that is all I did that day and of course I did get to uh, meet and talk with uh, Bab Star and Brendan Fletcher for their signing. Uh, I did get a, a bit of an audio clip which I will share with you now
10: it's my favorite
6: hi Hello my
10: guy. this is like a totally non DC line. what are you doing here?
12: I follow you guys I'm fans. Hello. You are
10: still rock in the back, girl,
8: so yeah.
14: well, I have to. That's, you know, that's my thing. Finally, Brendan, Ziggy's got the mechanic.
13: Oh, thank you. so much. Thanks. Wait till you see what's coming and up. The only it's thing I exciting. felt like it'd be
14: safe. <laughs> uh, out of the airplane. Yeah. yeah. I would not have
6: gotten the statue. I was talking with my friends recently that we're just going to be, we're going to miss you guys in the back row, but I'm excited about this. Yes. So. And you yeah. know, Super fun. like, sure.
10: Hope and Rafa, we've seen yeah. the first few issues yeah. and, like, it's great. If if you like what we were doing, you're going to love it. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. You're I, have faith. Job. I yeah.
16: have
4: faith. I Yeah.
10: Can I have one of those, too?
16: Yes.
4: Is, am I at my limit? Okay. Absolutely. That's great, and I'm glad I think, like,
17: I've got a camera.
14: I love that. You're so excited. about yeah. I'm so excited. you so cute. Thank you so much. It's good to see you guys again. Yes.
10: Are you interviewing Hope? again I'm yeah. trying yeah. to. We only
6: got uh, accepted how go for Scott go. Snyder. And, and so I'm, I'm trying, trying to like, like oh, thank I like <laughs> I <don't> you. Like, <laughs> I have a yes. training card. Yes. Is this your rookie or a veteran? So I'm trying to like finagle no, no. my way into that one and then. The, the Benson's
10: and everything. Um. I, well, you know, I'm gonna go over there after. I'll mention to Clark. too. So have you. Who are you talking to, Clark?
6: Uh, Charlotte was the only person. Yeah. That. Oh. oh know
10: who that is.
6: Well, just a PR person. So. I'll yeah.
10: mention it to Clark. I mean,
6: if I could, that'd be lovely.
10: They're over there, like all the PR people are right, over there. Yeah. So you can just go over and say, "Hey, I'm Stella. I right. talked to you know Mark Doyle." Yeah. And, Drop all of our names for how oh, we did okay. that podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Just say you'd like to do the same thing again but right. with the new team. With Hope, yeah. Hope is the best. Yeah, Hope is amazing. would love good. her. Okay. And Raphael. He's yeah.
6: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So. Yeah. but I'll miss you guys on the well we, Good luck, and I'll be here. Thank you. Right. We, we miss, you we miss
3: back girl. Yeah. yeah. We love
10: Motor fresh but yeah, back girl. Yeah. She's good
6: yeah. Hey, take care, guys. Bye. Yeah. Okay, so when I wasn't at the panels or... Yeah, with Babs and Brennan Fletcher. Uh, I did go to the interview block for Julie Benson and Shauna Benson. And uh, that was tough. That was tough. And I think partially, you know, it could have been my fault. I don't know. But there was an overlap. Yeah, from 4 to 4.10, I was with Babs and Brennan Fletcher. And then I ran over because the interview block was 4 to 5. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get in. Uh, There was a hard stop, as it's called, because they had a signing right after. And so of course they couldn't go over and unfortunately I don't you know I I get my books later because I use the mail order system and uh, I didn't have anything for them to sign but they were there and no one was coming up to them and I was like creeping around I was like very close to them and you know uh, to where the signing area was not to them specifically and then I was just like so you gotta do it you gotta do it and so I introduced myself to them and and talked with them a little bit and and said you know I hope they can come on my show and everything so I at least did meet their acquaintance and thursday evening uh was also uh pretty relaxing um again after that there wasn't uh, too much to do and and i was prepared for the next day the next day i will say that this day was really hard for me uh i'll go into that so this is friday First of all, um, Josh went to the Injustice 2 press roundtables, and I'm not sure where you can find that particular audio from him. He is going to do a write-up. I'm not sure really where there would be uh, a place for that. But um, if there is, I'll tweet out or something like that. And then there was, in the morning, there was an interview block um, with Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque and so clearly you know i'm going to going to wait around for that and this was hard professionally um with sort of the waiting and other things that happened that i don't really want to talk about um in the in you know in this way here and i mean it's the first time i think that i've ever felt um very emotional, and like I could potentially break down. Like I really felt like I could cry, and um, you know, my self control held me back. But if I didn't have it, I think that I would have. And it it was just very tough being in that you know in that booth area and watching as certain things went down. But you know, the plus side is that I was able to. Actually, slip in and talk with Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque, and so you can listen to that particular interview now. Hi, I'm hey, Stella. I'm with the Batman Universe and Back I talked with you like way before I was in the book. said, Welcome to okay. the book. remember that. Hi, Stella, Batman Universe. So, first of all, it's great that you guys are on the book. Um, how excited are you for
14: this particular run and just starting a new era of background? I'm really excited. It's my first superhero work, period, and I get to come start start writing on this character that I love. It was just so much fun and so so. She reminds me a lot of like myself, so it's, she's a superhero. So she's been through a lot with New 52. So what nods to the past are you going to make and then you know push on to the future with her story? Um, I don't really know about nods to the past. I'm just continuing off of the previous run. Okay. Um, I love everything they set up in that run, so I'm just like the natural continuation of that story. Okay. How often are we going to see her out of the costume, and what is Barbara Gordon going to be doing specifically? Oh, well, yeah. A lot of that girl is just Barbara Gordon being Barbara Gordon. Okay. That's as important as all the other stuff to that character. Like We want to see her life and see who she's dating and what she's getting up to. And uh, In this arc, she'll be on vacation basically and meeting up with an old friend and sort of palling around in in Japan and Singapore with him. Okay. Uh, and Katana's in this book as well, correct? The... No. No, she's not in the book? No. Okay, okay.
6: Um, so are there any other characters that will pop up that are Batman Universe
14: characters, or are they all just original creations? For this arc, it's all just original yeah. creations. And okay. That wasn't really what I set out to do initially. It kind of just happened that way. Okay. Because she is out of Burnside, and she's out of the U.S., yeah. so it kind of made more sense to... Drawn on the places that she'll be traveling to create new characters. Okay, so both art-wise and story-wise do you see this as a real world building activity, just new characters and everything? Yeah, for sure. Okay.
17: Yeah, I mean, um, this, uh, this, we are trying to since she's traveling to Asia, we are trying to get Asia right, I mean, uh, make it believable and we are looking for a lot of reference and stuff like that to make it believable.
6: Her relationship with her father is something that's very um,
14: personal and deep to her character. Will he at all pop up, you know, FaceTime or something like that? He actually does have, like, a... We do see him, like, one time.
17: Yeah. First seizure.
14: Yeah, there's, like, the um, the specter of her dad there a little bit, okay. in a very small way. Do, are you in communication with the Benson sisters, you know, as they move forward? Because it's after your run. It's after my run. Um... I'm in, I I know them, but we haven't actually sat down and had like a like a powwow about what we're each doing in our respective arcs. So I have not read their book yet, and I'm not really sure what's going on in it. Okay. And my editor has told me I don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm really excited to read what they're doing. Yeah, there was a little editor's note in the rebirth one that said, you know, check out
6: Batgirl. So you know that they are already nodding, I think, to your your cool. one at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Art wise the Batgirl Burnside was so successful how are you taking that but also just moving on and doing your original take on background?
17: yeah it's hard I talked a lot with Babs before that she sent me references as well and the post she, she had on Batgirl and that was very useful but I'm definitely trying to make her uh, you know fits the story that Hope is writing that is different than what uh, Brandon and Cameron did uh so I think my Batgirl looks less cartoony, um, well, still, it's, my, it's still my art, it's different than American Vampire, but still my style, so it would be naturally different. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things uh, that Babs did that I'm trying to keep up so we can have the character, you know, uh, recognizable.
6: So the tone of the Burnside run was lighter when it started the New
14: 52 is a bit of a darker tone. How would you describe your take on this particular? Splitting the difference. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not as light and... I don't know what the right word is. Um, the previous run is like a little bit candy colored and, and I mean that as a compliment. It's like it's... Fluffy is not the right word mm-hmm. but it just has this lightness to it and we don't really have that it's still there's still humor in it it's still fun but it's not as much about being like a millennial as as the previous one okay but I mean it's all about discovering herself right exactly so you said that you see a little bit of yourself in Barbara Gordon so as a character how would you describe Barbara Gordon she just like doesn't quite have it all together as a human she's an she's great at her job she kicks ass She's a super genius. I'm not a super genius, unfortunately, and I don't have uh, I don't have eidetic memory. But I I am not that much older than her, and I feel like I get what it feels like to try and figure out who you are as a single lady in the world. You know, mm-hmm. so that's what I really connect to with her. What went into the choice for her to go to Japan specifically or Asia? Um, I I wish I could go there myself. I mean, she gets to go to, to Japan and Singapore and South Korea and China, and I would love to go all those places. So rather than sending her to Europe or someplace that we, you would traditionally go backpacking, I wanted to send her to places that I would like to spend time if I had the option.
6: What was research you did? Because that's such a diverse culture. So what went into your, your art and, and looking things up and things like that?
17: For the first time, I'm well, uh, she sent me a lot of reference of uh uh, clothes and build and special uh, buildings and locations but I, for the first time I'm working with a Cintiq which is a very different uh, w- which is changing my art a bit so I'm looking up something that's really helping me with that is finding digital um, you know, cities and locations and buildings that's helping me a lot with um to make it believable, you know, to make it real.
14: Most of our locations, when possible, are based off of. They're either in a real street or we're taking a real building and just altering it slightly. This is not. These are real places that she's visiting, real cities, and we're not making up. She's not like going to a mountaintop in Tibet or something right. like that. And at the panel yesterday, you said you had visited Japan, right? No, I, I wanted to. Oh, you wanted to?
6: Okay. 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 So what overall most excites you about this particular
14: one, and and what do you want fans to really get from it? I honestly just hope people have fun reading the book. That's what it's about. I hope they're entertained, I hope they have a good time, and I hope they look forward to the next issue. And how about you? Yeah, me too. Uh,
17: It's a fun book. I'm having fun with that. I just want to share that with, with the readers. Okay.
4: Well, thank you very much.
6: Thank you. So after all that, I... I want, I needed a good cleanse and I ended up going to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Return to New York panel and that was you know that was probably the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles panel that I got the Nickelodeon series and it was so fun um you know seeing the cast up there and uh seeing one of the well I guess like the premiere episode of, of this season and, and how fun that was and um it, it was a really good cleanser I'd say and um You know, I I think it made me feel a little better after what had been going on. And then uh, was time for the Killing Joke press room uh, with the round tables there. And so you may be thinking to yourself, Stella, didn't you say you were going to boycott this? Why are you going to this press room? And I totally, totally get that. Um, I... Wanted to hear um, what they had to say for themselves, you know, about it and, and how they described it and how they went into it. I wanted to learn more about the, as I thought, and, you know, wrong of wrongly, of course, uh, the ten minute intro with Babs. I don't know where I got that it was ten minutes, but I've I've been told that it's turned into thirty minutes. I wanted to, you know, talk to Tara Strong and see what her take was on playing barbara in this particular uh story and right before right before um and let me just say that i was not going to stay for the film um i had thoughts of staying for the very beginning um you know to see what they do with batgirl and then just like cutting out right away after that so those are my intentions going in Because I really, you know, I hope you don't think I'm over-dramatizing. But I I can't handle, you know, I I don't like the killing joke. I don't want to see it in animated form or any sort of form. So I was just done with it. So right before the the stuff started, the roundtable started, Dustin texts me. And he says something like, I just found out something that are going to make people really upset. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what could this be with something that's already pretty terrible? And, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, what if they kill off the Joker? Would that be worth it, you know, during all of that, just to see that, and you know, getting just desserts. Then he texts back, and he says that uh, Batgirl and uh, Batman have a sex scene. And I, like, drop my phone... Oh, dear Lord, I, you know, I show it to to Donovan and Josh and they're, they're, you know, reading this text as well. Donovan believes that Dustin is punking me. And I mean, I'd like to think that I know Dustin pretty well. And I would also like to think that Dustin wouldn't do that to me. And I was, you know, defending him and I'm like, no, he, I mean, he can joke with me, but I think that that would be too far. Why would anyone do that? But, but Donovan really think that 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 that's what's going on then josh finds like a gif or a gif however you pronounce it you know that um image format and uh it's showing i haven't seen it i promise you have not seen any of this stuff but you know i guess it's just showing that the first few scenes of of their um interaction shall we say their foreplay or whatever and um man, I just felt physically ill. I really did. And, you know, once again, I'm on the verge of, like, tears and just thinking, why in the world, you know, would you do that? So it's interesting because the audio, I didn't catch any audio except for Tara Strong's, and, and I'll put that in here, of course, in, in a moment. Um, but it's interesting because the first uh, question was to Brian Azarello, and... Uh, was asked uh about this scene and, and he played like um and someone could interpret it uh differently if if they were there but played it like um he didn't know what um what we were talking about and um maybe it was like a deleted scene or something. Uh but Don and Josh did go and see the film so it was actually there and um I, I enjoyed seeing how some people are. All, uh, after that, the reactions were still oh, it was right all along. I'm not watching this, so you may wonder what. Well, first let me. Uh, no, I here. I um my feelings of this. Of course, it, it does make me sick. Um, you've known if you've been following me that I don't like a romantic relationship between Batgirl and Batman. I think that their relationship is special, but it should not be, and it is not like that. Um, I think it's more of a respect, mutual admiration. And I can understand uh, building up a story for her in The Killing Joke to, you know, at the very beginning, her as Batgirl, um, because some people may not connect it if they're not versed in comic lore, uh, which I never really would have expected, but I went somebody, Batgirl year one, and it all of a sudden quit because he had read The Killing Joke, and he didn't actually realize that Batgirl was... Barbara Gordon. So I think lending some time before, you know, does give you that clue, clues you in, and um, builds up sympathy to a certain extent. And well, I, I guess you know, I, I think Brian Ezerow's thing was um, he wanted to her to use her legs before she lost her legs. Is, is what he said, and but I don't really get um, her having sex with Batman. How it does anything to push her character in a new direction or push her character forward or um, before forward thinking with female characters? Because it just oh my gosh! I mean, Batman. Uh, I don't know. It just I'm I've actually been really you know people have been asking how i am and to be honest i i will you know i admit that it exists and i admit that it's happened but i've been not trying to to think about it because it does upset me and i think Barbara Gordon should be a character on her own right and if you wanted a good 30 minute segment then you should have had her fighting like she did in the batman family or later on with some of her solo missions um and giving us a clue as to who she is there and strengthening her character and um, her portrayal of a female hero there rather than, you know, making her someone who um, (laughs) apparently is being told to get off the case or, or you're not on the case and then has sex with Batman and is portrayed as a whiny person. So I'm just bummed about that. And yes, the ending does have Oracle spoilers. And uh, I don't think that saves the movie for it, but it certainly gives me hope, but only hope that, um, and I will only retain that hope if it goes on and, you know, if something actually comes of it. So there you go. So here is my Terror Strong audio clip from the Killing Joke Roundtable. How are you doing today? Good, how
4: are you?
8: Doing well, very much. Thank you very much. So this is you returning to the role of Barbara Gordon, and a. This is a very. Pivotal story for her It's a very strong in terms of content um, And she's in a situation She finds herself in a very tumultuous situation That kind of calls upon Kind of going outside the expected range Of you being know, like a cartoon character um, So you're kind of using a, a character That you've voiced before But kind of putting her in sort of an adult situation How did you approach that?
2: Well, um, it's almost true to my life You know, when I first moved from Toronto to Los Angeles and I booked Batgirl and I'm working alongside Hamill and Conroy and like pinching myself and I was, you know, a young girl when I did that and she's a young girl and now I'm much older and she's much older and wiser and she's a woman, it's, you know, the first time I've played her as a grown woman and it's one of the only things I do that's my own voice so vocally it's not that challenging for me um, the story itself is obviously very dark and emotionally charged. So, whenever you tackle those moments as a voice actor, for me personally, I visualize it all in my head um, simultaneously as I'm reading it and what I'm going through. So, there's moments in the studio where I'm crying or, you know, become very emotional and feel everything with Barbara and Batgirl, and hopefully that translates when people see it. But it it was very, very organic. I hadn't read the comic prior to working on it, so all the things that happened to Barbara were shocking to me too. So it felt like organic when I played those moments because I didn't know they were coming, and it was like sort of mind blowing um, and exciting. And I felt really lucky that I got to suit up again for Killing Joe.
10: What do you find uh, appealing about Barbara? You know, when you first signed on, you know, years ago to her, to, to you know, is it the same thing that, that you find appealing today, or has it changed?
2: I'd say it's just as appealing and just as exciting, and I get so excited when I get to suit up for her, and, you know, everyone that I work with in animation is like that. We get so excited for anything, and we just love what we do, and so... When I first booked Batgirl, I was intimidated in the casting office because it was a lot of heavy hitter voice greats, a lot of on-camera talent, and my agent called. He's like, oh, my God, you're her. You're the girl that's, that's the bat. You're Batgirl. And I was like, oh, my God. I remember, like, screaming and, you know, just pinching myself every time and watching these amazing actors at work, you know. Kevin and Hamill, like, they are Batman and the Joker, and it's just so wild to watch them, and and in The Killing Joke, you really see how um, versatile they are Mm -hmm. with their animation acting chops, because it goes to so many places that they haven't gone before.
18: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So, for me, it's just as exciting, and maybe even more exciting to tackle it now, as a woman myself, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up and see all these things that she goes through and having had these experiences. It's sometimes torturous to watch and I mean I cried when I watched it so <laughs> uh, it's uh it's dark
13: is there a chance that you could be playing Barbara Gordon as Oracle now
2: I would love that I think it'd be amazing I think uh the fans would love it you know years ago I did a series the extreme ghostbusters and Jason Marsden played one of the ghostbusters in a wheelchair. And the fans responded that so well and why shouldn't people in wheelchairs be represented in the superhero world and <laughs> it's so true today more than ever so I think it would be amazing I would love to do that but then again, I would do Batgirl on Ice if they asked me to. <laughs> Learn how to skate.
18: <laughs>
10: Can you take I'm just curious, like could you take us inside your headspace when you when you voice Batgirl? Like Kevin has talked a lot about like, you know, how he I think he's talked about how he kind of summons it up from his stomach and his chest when he but like, you know, what goes through your mind? Is there kind of like a, a guiding like principle you use or just is it purely instinctual or?
2: Yeah, I don't know that I have um, like a preparation in terms of vocally or how I'm Preparing to say things. It's more for me, really visualizing each moment and each scene. So, um, you know, when you first sit down and we go first, the animation hasn't been done. So, um, you know, reading each script and reading all the stage directions, like when you're doing it on camera and the line is whoa it's obvious if you're falling off a cliff or you see a hot guy you know what <laughs> it's going to be but when you're doing animation you have to read it and know exactly what's going on and then put yourself in those moments so for me it's really really organic really putting myself in those places I don't think about it in advance too much, other than being familiar with what's going on, so I know what kind of woe to put in. Um, And then just being in those moments.
10: And going back to the animated series, do you have a favorite moment or episode? Yes.
2: Girls' Night Out. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I love that. I still have a cell of myself and Supergirl like with our towels on our heads, just hanging out. (laughs) I think every girl loves to have, you know, cool strong superhero women to look up to, and that was just a really fun episode to do.
10: And is that what you think Barbara Baccarol has endured this long? Is it just because she's a cool superhero woman, or is, do you think there's something deeper than that? About?
2: I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think um, to have a female role model like that for girls is really important. She's strong, and she's very independent, and um, she's sort of always scoffed at authority and done her own thing for what she feels is right, and um, I think you know a lot of women and young girls relate to that and then, you know when a girl sees batman they always be like oh i'd love to be batgirl you know it's so cool and i think with the male fans um it's just fun for them to see a strong female character too that's sort of comparable with with batman they certainly go together really well and i can't imagine the story being told Without her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it couldn't Crash, be
10: tough. Well, she also seems to provide a nice counterbalance because even as Oracle, she's never defined by her tragedy the way yeah, Bruce Wayne is or, different or, different or, different or, different or different Dick Grayson is. So, you know, um, yeah. Thank you. If you could have anything to say to the joker after all we've taken through,
2: what would Barbara Gordon
10: say to him? <laughs> oh, it's funny
18: because my first instinct is to go, How do We're Let's <laughs> play together, but I'm back from the spoilers. Wow, you're disembarked. <laughs> <laughs> you. That's a great one for me. I'm a
2: spooky salad, you know. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thank you
6: time. very much. And after that, the last thing I had to do was um a potential interview with Tom King, who is the current writer of the batman well batman sorry just period and uh, he remembered me from last year he's very kind and sweet and um i was telling him i was hoping to get an interview and and clark bull was there and he was very nice as well and and saying you know gotta muscle your way in there and and i hope you get in um unfortunately he had a hard out as well so that didn't work out for for tom king but um there is hope ahead um as we move on and as the the boys went to go see the killing joke and um i went back to my hotel room and went to bed. (laughs) well i took a nap because i figured that i would um go to see them afterwards and and they could tell me all about it which was you know maybe not the best thing to then return and, and go to sleep and and with that in my head but that is it for friday so on to saturday
15: my sons children
5: please gather around Let's rock and roll!
15: On the first day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me A pizza with pepperoni On the second day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me Two comic books and a pizza with pepperoni On the third day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me Three skateboards. Books and a pizza with pepperoni. On the fourth day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me four man who covers three skateboards, two comic books, and a pizza with pepperoni. On the fifth day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me five video games. Four man who covers three skateboards, two comic books, and Day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me six frisbees, five video games. Those kids, four manhole covers, three skateboards, two comic books, and a pizza with pepperoni. On the seventh day of Christmas, the turtles gave to me seven succulents, six frisbees, five video games. Four manhole covers, three skates. The turtles gave to me Eight chopsticks Seven silk kimonos Six frisbees Five video games Yahoo! Four manhole covers Three skates
6: saturday the first thing was the gotham press room the round table for that and i full confession i do not watch gotham anymore i watched season well i watched season one obviously i was on gotham chronicle and i watched season two and a half um and after the mid-season I just didn't, I didn't pick it up after that. Um, so I was actually just going to go in. I was going to be sort of the photo person and, and, um, You know, for Josh and and just listen to everything. And those uh, audio clips you should be able to hear over on the Gotham Chronicle, so I don't have any of those. Um, But I do have a fun interaction between Ben McKenzie and myself uh, because I finally confessed to him that I also went to and graduated from UVA. So here's that short clip right now. So, UVA graduate, how are you? um, I really was taken by your portrayal of Playface being you. Oh, thanks. How much fun did you have doing that? And is there a chance of something like that happening
7: again? In the uh, thank you. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, you know, I think there's always a chance. Um, that was a lot of fun because I got to uh, do a sort of a bad version of Jim Gordon, like uh, uh, you know, I, the way that Bruno and I always talked about it was Playface <clears throat> has only seen Jim tied down yelling at Hugo Strange so he just assumes he's just a loud angry man and so he has no idea of whether he has any moral fiber or whatever so when when Clayface when when Clayface becomes Jim he's sort of this uh, he's just a bully and a and a jerk and a misogynist and all these other sort of terrible things Um, and we like to make fun of You know, takes the piss out of out of Gordon a little bit. Gordon's awfully self serious. This guy is anything but. So that was a lot of fun. I think we'll once now that we've established the rough parameters of the show, we're able to play with them a little bit. And it's not so much as like body swapping, but there is like uh, an ability for people to shape shape shift in a way, or or exchange identities. And uh, you know, we also saw this other Bruce Wayne at the end of season two. That Bruce Wayne will be around for, for season three. Um, there's a real opportunity to have fun with that kind of stuff. Um, and that identity, uh, those that concepts of identity are obviously so pervasive in comics, all kinds of comics, but definitely in DC and in the Batman world. So it allows you to have those interesting sort of philosophical conversations about, you know, who are we really?
6: It was funny, Josh made fun of me because, you know, I asked two questions to two different people. And uh, the one I asked for Ben McKenzie was just because I had seen that clip. Um, Moments before, uh, the boy showed me that because I didn't believe it. Or I did believe it, I just wanted to see the wackiness. Then I asked uh, Marina Bikharin a question as well. So, But questions, you know, otherwise it's hard to ask questions when you don't know. You know you're not watching it. It was weird because the lady next to me had asked something like, and there's Ghostwriter in this too, right? And um, it was to Aaron Richards who plays uh, Barbara Keane. And uh, she said, yeah, I think so. I'm like, what? Ghost Rider? It's, she was probably confused because it was just announced for S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything, but obviously Marvel and S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, do not mix. So I should say that uh, at this roundtable for Gotham, Ben McKenzie was there, Michael Chiklis, Marina Baccarin, Robin Lord Taylor, Aaron Richards, Cameron Bikendova, Corey Michael Smith, Jessica Lucas, Chris Chalk, and Drew Powell. As well as executive producers Bruno Heller, Danny Cannon, John Stevens, and uh, David Mazous was also there. Uh, we only got to talk to David, uh Ben, Marina, Robin Lord-Taylor, Aaron Richards, Cameron, and Jessica Lucas. So just FYI for what you can expect there. Oh, I yeah, that was also the day that... um Josh was going to try to, uh, well, we were going to try to get into some other press stuff. uh, Supergirl and Flash didn't really work, but I was a creeper and turned on my video and pretended I was texting and showed some of the stars, Um, but that was about it for that. Unfortunately, I don't think I went to any panels this day, uh, which is kind of interesting trying to remember and I don't believe so so I may have done shopping or walked around and did stuff on that day so then we get into the DC booth again Um, and this day made up for it uh, made up for Thursday it was insanity in 40 minutes a miracle wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles if I were to quote um, Fiddler on the roof so first of all I went to the Shea Fontana signing from 3 to 4 because I, it was funny, um, I bought for uh, Molly, who is the sister of Jacob, the DC superhero girl's finals crisis, which is like an original graphic novel, and it came, like, I just got it because it just came out, Uh, But unfortunately, her birthday had passed, but I was going to bring it on a day that I was going to do a race with Jacob's father, who is my department chair. See how it's all working together? Um, I forgot. And then I get, you know, the list of people uh, I should prepare for, and she's on it. So I'm like, wow, this actually works out really well. So that actually went into my research material, which was wonderful. If I had given it to her, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And then I ended up bringing it with me to San Diego Comic-Con because I thought, why not get it signed for Molly? Which I did. So that was three to four. Uh, Walk around a little bit. I don't want to be a creeper. I've learned now to get there about 15 minutes or more before the interview block actually starts. Okay. So I, let me just say that in the DC booth, I spent hours. And this is not an exaggeration. Hours. And it was hours just waiting. The feeling is like you put your name down, right? So you're kind of on call. So it's like you're writing your name down for a restaurant, trying to get in, get a table, but only certain people are going to get in. It's it's not like one of the restaurants, you know, the majority of restaurants where you're going to get in, it's just going to be a matter of time. It's like you may get in, you may not. So anyways, just keep that in mind. Hours of waiting and vulturing and flying around. So James the IV has an interview block from 4 to 5. So this is the one that I'm currently waiting for. Around this time... And I can't give you uh, specifics. I can only give you specifics um, at the end of it um, and certain points in time. But I promise you it all took place within a matter of 40 minutes. So within his interview block, I was called up to do or I was given the option of having an interview with Shay Fontana, who, you know, is writer of DC Superhero Girls and, and wrote that graphic novel. She does the shorts mostly, and she's also the writer on the movie that's going to come out. And uh, so she had a block open. I'm like, yeah, because I had prepared questions. So I did that. And then I went at, back down. Shortly after, I got in for James the IV. So I'm, whew, I'm getting into the restaurant. So I talk with him, and then it's going over his interview block which I think is you know why I was allowed but it's getting close because I have a 510 520 with Scott Snyder so this is a little scary so that's the one I was scheduled for right DC or TBU was scheduled for So I need to be there. So it's a little bit over. And then, you know, as I'm leaving James Tynion, I tell them I I have something. You know, I feel like it was 5.15 when I said something. And um, I I told the PR people that were up top that my schedule is from 5.00 to 5.20. They're saying he got their way. You know, hopefully something's going to happen. It may just be five minutes. I'm like, okay. So I go back downstairs. That's another thing I forgot to tell you is that if you've ever been to San Diego Comic-Con, In the actual convention floor, D.C. has primarily just been one level, uh, meaning like the floor, their little floor space is it. They've got, of course, like dioramas. I don't know if that's the right word to describe them, but, you know, they'll say D.C. Vertigo, and that's usually where the interviews are. Um, So it's like really loud. W.B., however, has this like tiered thing. Uh, So you've got the floor, and then you go up some stairs, and there's actually like a balcony, um, and that's where all the press stuff happens, of course. So it's, you know, a little more accommodating for interviews. D.C. decided to do that this year. So imagine me standing, like, right by the stairs. That's, you know, another element, potentially, to, to give you a picture. So I go down the stairs. Guess who pops by? Tom King, now remember, I couldn't get into an interview with Tom King, so he remembers me, he's like, hello again, and and I say, hey, so sorry I didn't get uh, in an interview with you, and he said, oh, what happened, I said, well, you just, um, you you had a heart out, or, or whatever, I said, and Clark Bull was right near him, who's sort of the head of DCPR, Tom was very gracious he's like well you know I've got a signing but 630 I'd totally be open and then Clark was saying you want five minutes right now and I'm like oh my gosh because then I'm in a pickle right because five minutes right now with uh, Tom King means that I've lost out on my Scott Snyder and it's like oh my gosh what do you do you know it's like one or the other and I was like oh man well, what about 630 and it's like sort of now is the an now and so they go upstairs I'm I have no idea what's going to happen so then moments later called down and told to go up and um I get 5 minutes with so thank you so much to Clark Bull so I get 5 minutes with Tom King because Scott Snyder's like currently doing an interview anyways and it was just I don't know it's great it's it's you know some creators I think you know if they remember you some of them are just like I mean they meet so many people they're not going to remember you they're this is their job they're also going to talk about their work but tom king and i think also you'll see with uh, scott snyder just I, I think wonderful people and um it is it makes interviews better when you know them and and um, they're excited about their work and you're excited about their work and and it's just way easier because like my nerves go down but you know as all this is going down uh you know all of this 40 minutes is happening i'm like super high with like adrenaline but anyways I get five minutes with him and then I'm walking and it is like 28 after his for Scott Snyder Scott Snyder's got a hard out because he's got a signing at 5 30 so the woman's telling me you know God's cousin and I'm like, Do I have three questions or what is it? Because normally you have ten minutes or, or the time slots, right? And they'll tell you when you're done. So two minutes and then she's like, No, we'll we'll let you go a little over and I'm like, Oh my goodness, thank you so much. So I end up getting an interview with Scott Snyder as well and it all finishes up at like thirty two or thirty three after five. So in the matter of four forty minutes, I have four interviews three of which are unscheduled and all of which bring the the total sum of five out of the original nine that we requested. So it was an intense insane time miracle of miracles. I mean praise God for this happening. Uh, Thank you to the DC people. Thank you to Clark Bull. Thank you to uh, Tom King for being really uh, Gracious and allowing that time, thank you to Scott Snyder. So there's just lots of thanks all around, um, and at this time, Don and Joshua and the Marvel um, panel at. H at Hall H, and uh, I tried to get in, but they were at capacity, so I wasn't. So I ended up going to a grassy knoll with all the like the crazy stuff um, for FX and things like that, and uploading myself and just chilling because like I needed to calm down after that. But those were an intense forty minutes, and that's sort of you know maybe it's one of the reasons why I go to San Diego Comic Con. I think you know Josh Don and I all go for different reasons, and I really like to go for TBU because I like to interview these people. Um, and get to know them and and you know their take on the on the stuff that they're doing. And so to be able to do this uh, was great. And I'm also very thankful that I prepared my questions in advance uh, before I even left for San Diego. Because once again, had I not had anything prepared, thinking that well I'm not going to go in, that would have been horrible horrible and even so i feel like i flubbed up um a couple times on on some interviews but you know it was an intense time so i guess what you're going to listen to now back to back you will hear shay fontana uh who is the writer on dc superhero girls james tanya IV, the fourth who is the writer of detective comics tom king who is the writer for batman and scott snyder who is the writer of uh, all-star batman Hey, this is Stella with the Batman Universe. I'm here with Shay Fontana, who is the writer of DC Superhero Girls. So are you at all shocked
4: with the success? This has exploded of, of what's going on.
19: It really has been fun to watch the fans glom onto it and the little girls who are really excited about the content. I don't think we're surprised so much, though, because we knew that little girls needed something like this. We knew that this kind of content where we were having superheroes specifically for girls in the 6 to 12 year old range was something that was really missing right now in the market and we knew that there was a market for it because girls like me when I was that age I would have loved it so I think everyone working on this project was really committed to it and believed in it so the success isn't as surprising as it's just uh, reminds of why we did it.
6: Your shorts are mostly their own self-contained stories and then I think there is some connective tissue between them, but then the graphic novel that you just put out, if I can call it that, is really an overarching story. Yes. Is that something you want to try to develop more in the
19: series, or just keep that to print? Yeah, definitely. Um, we do have a second graphic novel coming up uh, this November, and that will also have a larger story to it, as well as the movie that's coming out on August 23rd. But as we keep doing these shorts, which we have just a ton that are going to be coming out over the next couple of years that have already been written, there are definitely connective tissue between all the stories, and you will see the stories begin to grow as we've now establish the characters in the shorts and girls are beginning to understand, you know, who Starfire and who all these other characters that they may not have been really familiar with before. They're understanding their histories and their backstories and now that we can have that all established, we can really begin to elevate the story and bringing in more characters and more um, substantial stories to the universe.
6: Now, I asked this in the signing line, so I'm going to get it on tape now, but time actually progresses in this series. So is there any thought to graduating some of them in the future and bringing in more superhero girls?
4: We definitely will be
19: bringing in a lot more superhero girls. I think some of the favorites among some of our fans, that have they've been asking for certain characters, and we will be delivering. Um, I can't give the spoilers of who those characters will be, but pretty much suffice to say all the main DC girls will end up being at this school, so if they've had uh, any play lately elsewhere, there's definitely a chance they will be part of Superhero High in the future, so time is progressing in that way. Um, None of our main girls, we don't have the plans right now to graduate any of the, like, Wonder Woman and um, Batgirl and Supergirl are all going to remain at Superhero High, but there is definitely a timeline and a progression of time to the way the stories
18: work.
6: Okay, so as I mentioned before, I teach middle school and high school. Such a difficult time, especially I think for girls. Yeah. And I think you've started to play with some of these difficult themes, especially with cheetah. But do you have any plans to do anything like clicks and, and being on the outside and you know being authentic to yourself? Any yeah. of those like deeper themes? Absolutely.
19: I think one of the reasons that I and all the people involved in this project were really drawn to it is because high school is a terrible time. It's yeah. like it is a really really hard time. And I think that's kind of a universal feeling in a lot of ways. It's really hard to fill. even the most popular kids who you think are the most popular kids, they don't always feel like they fit in. So it's really this uh, universal feeling of not knowing where you belong and not knowing who you are. And really in high school, you're beginning to discover who you are and the things that are important to you and what your values are and who you want to be as you grow up. So that's definitely things that are going to be running throughout the series. Um, we will be playing with that more, as you said, we did a bit of that with Cheetah in the first couple of shorts, and there's a bit of a bullying um, storyline going on, and it's something that we will continue to uh, reiterate during the series, and it's really a series about these great girls coming together and being a support for each other, so that's always been something really important to us to show in the series, is how these, uh, this, these friendships and these girls can overcome those things that are so hard to deal with in high school.
6: What would you say your overall goal is for girls that are watching this? Do you want them to get into comics? Like, is this your thought of like, hopefully, it can be some sort of bridging and, and get girls more involved? Or what is your goal with this series in line?
19: Uh, we definitely think it's something that can get girls more into comics and introduce girls to this great comic universe. But I don't think that's our main girl goal. I think our main goal is to really tell great stories that uh, impact girls and empower girls.
6: Sounds good. So there are some villainous characters, although they're they're very sweet on the show now. Uh, is anything going to happen that will like change and, and we'll see that, uh-oh, something darker is happening with them? Or are you just going to try to keep them all on the same page and be superheroes?
19: You know, there are some girls like Ivy and Harley who we know from the comics have a bit of a darker side. Um, in this universe, we have erased all that backstory and they do start out as these heroic characters. But you'll see, like in the graphic novel with Ivy, she does have have some interest um, in things that maybe aren't as pure as some of her counterparts are interested in and she is testing those boundaries and those limitations. And
6: What are your plans for the faculty? Because you have very, I mean, Crazy Quilt is like a C-lister or below and you bring them in, (laughs) which is amazing. So do you have any other plans to bring people in that you know, we don't really think about, like, Bookworm or, you know, someone like that.
19: Um, absolutely. Our faculty, everyone in the show, except for our Metropolis civilian characters, are all characters from the DC Universe. So even if they were only in one comic in the 1960s, like Crazy Quilt. Crazy Quilt had a bit, bit of a bigger run, but not most people are familiar with Crazy Quilt's work. Um, we They are all real characters from the DC Universe, so our entire school is populated with, characters from the DC Universe and as we keep going through the series the faculty will certainly grow. There will be some interesting um, additions. I can't, I can't say much, it's way in spoilers, but there's definitely um, a lot of faculty members who will be
6: popping up over the next few years. Okay. Do you see any potential for spinning off and having character driven, like all ages comic series, like with Wonder Woman, so then people can go off of there and really learn about Wonder Woman, but in the all ages? Because you come from here and then go into Wonder Woman. Now, and that's more of a teen book and older. Do you see there is there any potential for doing something like that? I think within the larger DC universe,
19: that's certainly possible. Right now, DC Superhero Girls is certainly focused on specifically the characters within the high school environment and having those friendships and the ensemble. But I believe that they're. you know, there's a definite potential to have those more character-driven stories that pop out from this kind of universe. Okay. If you were
6: in this universe, who would your roommate be and why? Oh, um...
19: I think I would hope my roommate would be Batgirl. Okay. Um, However, I would probably be stuck with Harley Quinn (laughs) and never get any sleep. But I think Batgirl and I would get along in that way. Are
6: we going to get to see, speaking of Batgirl, are we going to get to see more of her side, like the tech side? Because she's got her little computer, that's Oracle. So I I very much appreciate that nod. And we've seen her as Batgirl, just as Barbara Gordon. Will there be anything as, as Oracle either? And mm-hmm.
19: She will not be taking on the, the persona of Oracle sure. like in the comic books, but she does have her computer, and right. the persona within the mm-hmm. computer is Oracle in this series. And uh, she definitely will be using her sure. tech skills mm-hmm. and her brain and her engineering and all of her
12: superheroing.
6: Okay. Well, I'm very much enjoying it. I know everyone that watches it I think very much enjoys awesome. it, so looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Cell with the Batman Universe, and I'm here with James Tynion IV, the current writer on Detective Comics. So I'm feeling some nostalgia with this particular book because Kate really got a a big push in this Detective Comics, and Detective Comics has done team-ups, so how much were you involved in the decision to go to this particular format and the team this very interesting team that's involved
20: honestly it's been uh, right at the heart of what I've wanted to do with the Batman line from uh, for years now uh, honestly when uh, when the discussion started with uh, me taking over detective comics I knew you ha- we wanted to do something different we, we had uh, you know Batman going bi-weekly and you know you have all-star Batman coming by Scott Snyder if you're you you can not just do detective of comics as the other Batman book. You needed to do something different and exciting and the thing I've been dying for my entire life is a Batman team book. Like that that is something that just seems so like cuz Batman's been uh, involved with teams with non-Gotham characters like Batman and the Outsiders and Justice League and all of that. And then Gotham characters have come together to form teams outside of Batman like, you know, you have, uh, like, the Birds of Prey is the best example. Uh, But there has never really been the Batman centered Batman team. Um, And the the version of the story, Batman always, like, you know, people want to start fighting crime and Batman says no. I wanted to do the version of the story where Batman says yes and what that looks like and How he would build something like that, and who he would rely on, and uh, the person that the thing is with that is Batman's not good, isn't great at team dynamics. He's like he is a one-on-one kind of guy. So the to for a team like that to work, it required someone who he trusted, who thinks enough like him, but also has the ability to to like trust and rely on a unit. Um, And Kate Kane embodies that perfectly because her military upbringing. It has that instilled in her and that that's really what, what I saw in the character and wanted to bring into this series and really build a series that is based at the, the heart of the difference between Batman and Batwoman and the other characters around them commenting on that
6: Do you see this book as a Batman family book or a Batman and family book?
20: That's a really good question um
18: hmm
20: like I would say that... I would go it's a Batman family book. I think that this is... this is about uh, that like Batman is at the heart of this book like he his relationship with all of these characters is like it, it's inherent in it especially especially through Kate Kane it's like that's the biggest thing I wanted to explore in this book was the fact that Kate is Bruce's cousin which you know there were little ties in the older material but I was never like there there hasn't hadn't been the story that actually explained what it meant that you know like Kate Kate Kane uh, Kate and Beth Kane would have been at the funeral of Thomas and Martha Wayne like that, that she would have been there at that moment like they would have been there at these crucial parts of each other's lives and the ways in which they were kept apart and brought together like that would shape them and that that's something I find deeply interesting and especially because the Kanes versus the Waynes that's, that's, that goes back years and years and years but there's uh like all of these characters and the way they sort of build family around each other, and it's all, it, it, but it's still with Batman at the center, so
6: yeah. Okay. At the end of issue one, we have this really enlightening conversation between Tim and Bruce and I think it really points to the fact that the past is not forgotten. Yeah. So what elements of pre-Flashpoint and New 52 are you going to be taking and, and pushing forward in your story? Are you going to be building on some pre-Flashpoint? Things? I mean, there's.
20: A, I, I think you can see already in the book like uh, one of it, the uh, the biggest things that I did was sort of you know uh, put uh, Tim Drake and Stephanie Brown in a relationship right? with one yeah. another which is uh, honestly that's that. That is the you know state of things when I fell in love with Stephanie as a character back uh, reading the Old Truck Dixon and Robin yeah. series. Um, that that's where my love of the character really began. And uh, get, getting to see those two together as they're building this new moment in their lives uh, is really powerful. I will say, like I am still building on the continuity that I've been working in for the last number of years. Like the the spoiler who is in this book is the spoiler we introduced in Batman and uh, Eternal, and the. Uh, Cassandra Kane Orphan, is the character who we just spent 26 issues developing over in uh, Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, but, like, there are absolutely elements of these characters that, you know, like... Here's a little hint, like with Cassandra Kane, there are things that are true of her past continuity that have not been explored in the current continuity, uh, particularly in terms of her parents. Um, and those are stories that we we're, we're, we might be exploring pretty okay. soon. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like our second arc's a big spoiler story and our third arc's a big uh, orphan story, so I'm, I'm very excited. Okay,
6: so now that we know that Kate's father is the head of the colony and his ideology is is very different from Kate. How is she going to be able to go up against him, and how is this going to affect her?
20: Oh, it's going to affect her really deeply because, I mean, in the in. The in that incredible, like Bat Batwoman elegy storyline uh, by Rucka and Williams, you know, the, it, it 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 ended on that that gut wrenching moment where she found out that he had been lying to her about Beth uh, for her since she was eight years old, um, and that is that that betrayal led to a real rift in them that they had only just begun to heal before she finds out about this other lie, and all of the 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 things that I think are the thing that I think is crucial in on understanding those moments is that everything that Jacob has ever done has been to protect Kate um, and help her become who he thinks she has always wanted to become. Uh, But, you know, it's also really assumptive and wrong of him to be doing that, but it, like, you know, I, I saw some people like you know talking about that beat and worrying that you know Jacob's going to become like this cackling villain and all of that, and that's never the intent. You're going to see in the next few issues flashbacks to you know earlier moments in Kate's life and how these care how the. That relate the relationship between Jacob and Kate Kane is so close to the heart of that character, um, and you know that the fact that everything Jacob has done, even the lines he's been willing to cross, has all been in response to, in, in response to what happened uh, that you know to Kate's mother and sister, and uh, that and that that truth is always going to bond them, even though even if. Uh, It gets to a point where she can't forgive him, and that that is a really interesting dynamic that I think is going to play out. You know, it's already it's been playing out for years, and I can't wait to to dive that knife, twist that knife a little harder, and like and really get to the heart of you know what it's like to truly love love and care about someone, but also you know not be able to go with them anymore, to not be able to stand by their side. Um, so yeah.
6: Yeah, I'm loving your take. Thank you so much. Well, thank
20: you. Send, to send Twitter. For us. <laughs> I'll never be. Have you met? We, we, we met like
6: last year. Guys. Yes, that's
14: fine, yeah.
6: I
9: was Twittering. What is going on here?
6: I, I, what's going on down there? This is distracting. I'm with Tom King, the current writer of Batman. So as we enter this new era of Batman with you at the helm, how would you describe him as a character moving forward in this current story?
9: I know we only have five minutes, but can I stop and say thank you for you, Jamie, and out? how much yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate
6: okay. you. I was bummed. I was on the list, but didn't get in, and I'm like, oh man, I didn't get in. Plus, that's, to talk
9: to that's insane. Myself. Okay. Yeah. Well, here we are. I'll so talk. So here we
4: go. Okay.
9: Um, He's met the Gotham and Gotham Girl. They're these two characters that represent in his mind almost an idealized version of himself. They have powers he'll never have. They're, they they survived the experience that almost killed him, the death of his parents, in PC three. And so now he has hope in them. He has hope that they might be something special, something that can be the answer for the question that what kind of superheroes Gotham deserve? Maybe they don't deserve someone dark and broken like that, and maybe they deserve someone. Like Superman. The problem with Gotham City is hopes tend to get crushed. And when that hope gets crushed, when, when his his faith in those people might not be as pu- um, might not turn out as well as he thinks it does, what does Batman do? And that's the challenge to him, that's the challenge to his psyche of his character. And the idea is to make this big and as fun as possible and just show you some kick-ass back.
6: There's a certain danger level with Gotham City and Batman, and he can mostly take care of himself against these villains, but there's now this idea of escalation. Because you bring in these superpowered villains, is that going to change the whole climate of Gotham City and start bringing in new villains that then match their power level? Well, I
9: want to make it slightly to be... I think the idea behind Rebirth is to unite this universe again and, and, and to make these stories matter in the classic sense of continuity. I'm a big continuity nerd. And I I didn't want it to be like, okay, Gotham City is where all crime happens, and Metropolis is where all the asteroids fall. That makes no sense, right? Like, so, like, there's crime in Gotham City, and there's asteroids that fall in Gotham. And I think Batman has to come to grips with he can't always be the hero that does that. Or maybe he can be. And if he is, if he is the hero of Gotham, what makes that special? And I wrote this first issue where he's on a plane, it's crashing, he's about to die. And, and, and the whole comic and the next whole year will be about that moment where he's like, I can save this city, but to save it, I have to die. I have to leave Damien without a father. I have to leave Dick without a friend. What does that mean to him as a person?
6: Mm-hmm. Speaking of Damien... Plus, there's
9: Kite Man coming. Oh. <laughs>
6: Are you serious? Yes. Oh my heavens. I, I get that's into all these great. deep dark
9: themes, I just want to say, but also there's like, like these I awesome. Man, that's oh. great.
6: Are you gonna I mean that's a classic rogue. Any other like obscure, like sea list villains that
4: you're gonna bring in or want to bring
6: in?
9: Condiment Kings has an appearance. Oh my goodness! He's coming. Oh wow. Uh, Tweedledee, Tweedledum we're gonna oh, do my some heavens. stuff. Oh okay. we got some things going on, yeah. This is
6: gonna be like classic. Yeah. Of I'm course. even more excited than I was reading it. Yeah. Oh, that's this is awesome. great. Yeah. Speaking of Damien, is he gonna appear in your book at all?
9: i want damien's and teen titans right okay. yeah. and i want him to build that world there because to me teen titans growing up was one of the greatest dc books of all time mm-hmm. and so we're going to give him a little space to grow because again i want continuity to flow and if i put him in my book then he can't be as good as he is in that okay. book so the focus of damien is on teen titans i mean he exists and there'll be overlaps, and there's a big crossover event coming. And he'll be in, he'll, and, and because they're when they fight these monster men, basically. The Hugo Strange, da- he'll need all his family. So there's there is Damian appearances, but I want the focus of Damien to be in the Teen Titans book, which is going to be amazing. Okay,
6: you end the last issue with three big hitters. You've got Sam Lane, you've got Waller, and then you have Hugo Strange. What are these three up to? What are they doing together? Right.
9: Oh, uh, yeah. And not yeah. Waller, Lane, Hugo Strange, yeah. and Psycho Pirate. It's yeah. a Justice League villain, a Batman villain, a Superman villain, and a Suicide Squad, whatever Amanda Waller right. is. Right, yeah,
3: yeah.
18: So it's
9: amazing. That's a DC universe in one room. Yep. And Batman's not there. And what those people are talking about what, it will have the impact, that's a, I mean, this is a year long story that takes place in three trilogies during so the first trilogy called I Am Gotham. The second one's called I Am Suicide. Okay. And it's a, it's um, Batman forms his own suicide squad from the Arkham, from Arkham Asylum which is where all those awesome villains come from right. and then the third one is uh, I Am Something I Can't Tell You um, which will be what this is all leading up to which is the biggest battle in Batman's history it's him against a bad guy and one of them can't be on this world anymore
6: okay um, in regards to James Gordon how will we see him at all will we see how his time as Batman has affected him and then also how is his relationship with Batman in your book right?
9: yeah I mean he was in issue two and I love writing him right yeah
6: with the signal yeah
9: with the pipe we gave him the pipe back yes thank you I know um,
6: his lungs probably don't thank you but it's good to have classic Gordon <laughs> back yeah, yeah. Well, I,
9: I love classic and I wanted to start with classic so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think his relationship with Batman is actually fairly stable. I, I, I wanted to start this book, and, and Scott and I agree with this. And I called Dave uh, Finch, who's my artist on this and partner, and we also agreed that, that what we wanted was to go back to classic and. Uh, when we think classic I think animated series first season like like just Gordon on a roof and right. the, that, that classic relationship we need to just start there start when you close your eyes and think of what Gordon and Batman feel about each other that's where we are at this point okay. so we start there now all of that's going to fall apart as the series goes ahead and be, because that's what comics are it's a tearing apart of something to see the strength of it Right. Okay. that's what we do in comics
6: will we see Julia Pennyworth at all in her book?
17: <laughs>
9: Not for a while, but okay. I have a plan for Julia. She has a secret origin that nobody knows about.
6: Oh.
9: I think I kind of leak it a little bit. I have a, I there's a secret relationship that. between Ju- um, Julia and, a, and another uh, major DC character, okay. but I can't talk about it, and so we're eventually going to bring that out. Okay. Yeah.
6: Talk about Duke Thomas a little bit. Um, Batman is kind of giving him reins. Like, you do what you need to do. So what is... I mean, what can you tell us about what his journey is going to be like or what his plans are and what that suit means to him?
9: So I grew up a huge Tim fan. One of the things I loved about Tim was that he didn't just immediately become Batman. He did a year in the cave first. So that's what I wanted to do with Duke. Is he's, he's doing his year of training, and that training, that, because if a guy just like shows up at Batman and suddenly he's on the roof with him the next day, that doesn't really make sense to me. I, I think Batman wouldn't risk that because he wouldn't risk someone's life who's not ready for it. And the story of Duke's training, that's what All-Star Batman is. That's what Scott Snyder's doing. So once that training comes along, Duke will assume a new role in Gotham. Um, that's going to blow people away I know what it is I know what the name is I can't talk about it
18: Okay And I think that's all We have time for
6: yeah. uh, Thank you so much For making time for
9: It was amazing Thank you so much For interviewing me It's great it to everything. see you again Yes
21: You guys yeah, want sure. to take a I'm sorry so short This is From here. Oh you guys are amazing Yeah thank, thank
6: you Take a seat I'll take a picture okay It's a little surreal Surreal talking to you Because we talk about you All the time in your work And how appreciative We are you You guys so.
21: have been Like so kind to me From day you. one Thank you Thank you so much
6: So Traditionally, your books have impacts across the universe. So, is also our Batman going to have that sort of impact going forward, or is it just going to impact Batman and Detective Comics?
21: Uh, well, I would say at first, we you know with Rebirth, we all really want to get up and running in our own ways. To make sure everyone feels comfortable picking up the books that they love and seeing what the flavor of each book is, so we're staying separate from the other, um, the other parts of the DC universe a little bit in the first six months, I'd say, or seven months, and then we start to kind of get a little bit more crossed over. But within the Bat universe, there's a lot of crossover. There's sort of Duke uh, Thomas, his stories happening in All Star, and that's sort of reflected in Batman. And there are things that happen with the characters in Tom King's Batman that are explained or reflected in All-Star Batman and Detective so we all are sort of um, crossing over but you don't have to read any one part of uh, any one book to understand another they're all completely self-standing
6: Okay. What made you want to start with Two Face as your initial
21: villain? I've had my eye on him for a long time, and I honestly, I think he's a perfect villain for right now. Where he believes that this is his era, okay. Because he feels like it used to be sort of, well, people are afraid of the chaos, but now they're used to the chaos. The chaos is like the Joker. Now they're used to the um, the chaos, and so instead, they they're making their decisions. Are they going to face it bravely? Or are they going to retreat more fret and they're, uh, more selfishly? Are they going to uh, put sort of um, the hero side of their heroic side of their face forward or are they going to actually be the dark side and so Two-Face really believes he is sort of the thing in the mirror to to this age Um, and so uh, there's incredibly uh, sort of an incredibly potent I think um, set of questions and and ideas to explore there for me and so once I knew I wanted to take him on the road also with Batman because it would give us a bigger view of the entire state and sort of a reflection of the country I was like this is going to be something really special I can't wait
6: Are there any other allies or minor cast characters that are going to be joining him on his journey? Also, you know, Batman. Or is it just going to be, you know, Batman as his own entity?
21: No, there's actually some really big surprises. I wanted this to be a book where you turn the page and you never know who's going to pop up, whether it's, like, villains that you're like, how did he remember those guys? Or allies and heroes that you're like, I thought that guy was out of continuity. So I really want it to be something that's a celebration in a lot of ways of kind of the deep... Villains gallery of Batman Because everybody's coming after him And also the unsung heroes of the series as well
6: Okay So speaking of the villains On Twitter you had asked for obscure villains And I was yep. wondering if you were willing to do a rapid fire Where I just list off them and you say yes, no, maybe That and, they could appear
21: Yeah, but I don't want to give too many away I'll, I okay, might say a lot so, of maybes
6: Okay, that's fine Condiment King? No aken Maybe Cavalier?
21: Maybe Sterling Silversmith? Uh, no bookworm Yeah, I, that's it probably a yes kite man kite man is in Batman
6: polka dot man no Maxi Zeus
21: uh yes later
6: Japaneseese no the getaway genius no ten-eyed man
21: uh that he's in another book King Tut yes later
6: dr phosphorus uh maybe the baffler
21: uh no I'm, I don't know the baffler actually man bat no, man, that's too big. He's he's gonna be in another book.
6: Okay, Kill Him Off? Yes. Firefly? Yes. Metroquis Arnold Wesker.
21: Uh he is in another book. Hush. Uh no. he's also
6: big. Ratcatcher.
21: Uh I thought about Ratcatcher, but I just thought he was too gross. He's not in it.
6: <laughs> Mr. Toad? No. Deacon Blackburn. Another book. Magpie. Magpie is in it, actually. Outsider. Uh, No. Penny Plunderer.
21: Uh, Penny Plunderer is not. Terrible Trio? Terrible Trio actually was in it, Uh, and then they told me they're not sure if they're in continuity, but you might see them pop up. But there's so many others, from the Royal Flush Gang to Copperhead to uh, Gentleman Ghost to the lot. Okay,
6: and then final question, with your artists, I mean, you're so used to working with Capuro, and now you've moved on and you're having John Romita. How is that transition going? from one artist to another and then you're going to be rotating artists.
21: Yeah, well it's always been something I've loved because I've always rotated between American Vampire witches, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Superman Unchained, Batman, you know and so I'm used to kind of jumping from artist to artist but one of the great things about working with different artists is it challenges an incredibly different set of muscles for for you with each person because what I like to do at least is go to the artist and say what do you want to draw? How do you like to work? Do you like full script? Do you like more Marvel style? And so with John it was great. He works very similarly similarly to Greg. But he wanted to draw different things Because he had drawn so much Gotham Recently in Dark Knight, Last Crusade I was like, this is going to be perfect How about cornfields, how about barns How about chainsaws and motorcycles And he was like, yes, 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 yes and so it, it's it's very fluid. And He actually lives right down the street from me. He lives literally less than a mile from my oh, house. Okay. So if anyone like if he doesn't like something, he can just come bang on the window and be yeah. like, you know, no. And then if I if I'm like if ever he had pages late, which he never ever ever does, literally never does, I'd be like, where are those? So being close to each other is fun because we meet in a bar downtown and in the little town, port town we live in, and just go over ideas for it. And so it's a really organic way of working.
4: Okay. Well,
6: thank you so much for your time. And Uh, I'm looking forward to it.
21: No, let me say thank you guys to you guys. Batman Universe has been kind to me from the moment I started in this, and it really means the world. So thank thank you to everybody that's part of it, and you guys are just great.
6: Yeah, well, it's well-deserved, all this stuff that you do, we love. Thank you. I appreciate it. And for me, that ended, actually, my Saturday. Uh, So the guys and I just... Hung out after that. Um, so on to Sunday.
5: No, it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. See a big stone and a bottle. Yeah, Ooh. that's why I'm easy, I'm easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. That's why. I'm morning
6: relaxing uh the convention the exhibition floor i should say closes earlier than the other days um not as many panels usually uh well i guess i shouldn't say that but it's just uh more relaxing there's not this like crazy go 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 push 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 uh no dc comic stuff um but i was involved with the dc superhero girls and batman unlimited round tables those were really fun and I did do a write-up on both of those to recap sort of what was said and everything for the Batman universe. But you can hear the entire inter- uh, the entire press, and I should warn you that um, these are both very... Uh, they're long. Um, I think like 36 and 42 minutes, so just be aware of that. So for DC Superhero Girls Hero of the Year, uh, there was Tara Strong, who plays Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy. Greg Griffin, who plays Wonder Woman... Anais Fairweather, who plays Supergirl. And Teala Dunn, who plays Bumblebee and Artemis. And Stephanie Shea, who, uh, or Shea, who plays Katana. The director, who was um, Cecilia Aronovich. And I call her, like, Ilyevich or something like that on the recording, so you can neglect that. And then the producer, uh, Jennifer Coyle. And then for Batman Unlimited... Uh, mechs versus mutants there was roger craig smith batman bruce wayne wilfred nightwing dick grayson and john dimaggio who plays the killer croc Hi. jennifer coyle and cecilia ivanovich for dbc superhero girls hero of the year How are you? doing well
22: Oh, it's so intimidating.
8: <laughs> oh, look at all these cell phones. <laughs> so, what was the, um, I guess, overarching world of the show going into it, like, story wise? we so, are just trying to just tell standalone stories, or kind of like, just see like, I guess, overarching plot for the whole series.
23: Oh, I have a whole big for this. It's
8: uh, our, our
23: first 72-minute adventure uh, uh, the Heroes of Superhero High take on their uh, darkest foes yet, um, and Dark Opal and Eclipso. Um, try to channel the powers of the amethyst on top of the school in order to plunge the world into darkness and take over. So, yes, at superhero high are the the only thing between them and world domination.
6: Would you say that this is standalone? Like, could you just watch this and get a good idea of what it is? Or do you have ties to the shorts and then even some of the comic stories that have been going out?
23: There, there are some threads, definitely, through the shorts, but, but absolutely
22: you could watch the shorts. Oh, yeah, you won't be lost. <laughs> you haven't seen the shorts.
8: All right. so, so, what's
22: something that you you know, you know, want people to take away from this, especially what do you want people like, to take away from this? Um, you know, is there anything, is there a message that you have
18: in mind, or was it just you wanted to do a story?
23: Being a hero is um, not just a matter of who you are. It's a matter of what you do and the decisions that you make. All of us
22: have it within us
23: to be heroes every
22: day. That's another plot of the movie. We have a, there's a competition at the school called Hero of the Year. So the students, you know, most of the students, the main students are nominated. You know, to be Hero of the Year, so uh, you know, that's that's
14: in relation to what you were saying. <laughs> Do
18: you have favorite characters?
14: They're all like our sisters and
18: our
14: children. <laughs>
23: it's so hard to pick. We, uh, we all love Harley Quinn. She's, she's
18: uh-huh.
23: fun, fun, fun to act for, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day they all have their wonderful
18: responsibilities
23: yes. for me.
22: I really like Wonder Woman, and I like how her character has changed, you know, from the beginning of the shorts to where she is at now, you know, there's a lot of character growth and she's becoming a real leader. So, um, I think I really like Wonder Woman.
8: How did you go from like taking not only a lot of the female heroes in DC Universe, but taking some of the villains like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn? What made you decide to make them into this kind of good guy school?
23: This is, a, you know, it's part of making this um, acceptable for for younger girls, and like, it's very interesting to uh, give these characters, like, to wash away their origin myths so and to give them a fresh start in this alternate universe. But um, it's, it's nice to meet Harley Quinn, who hasn't met the Joker. Yet, you know? <laughs>
18: yes. <laughs>
8: well, in that way, um, what do you in writing this, this movie? Uh, especially, you know, with with women behind the camera, you know, in the conception of it, what do you think are sort of things that, that you're imp- implementing that you feel has been done yet in terms of, you know, women writing women, you know, in terms of portraying female characters in a, in a strong way. What do you think are things that like you're putting in here that like just have not been thought of typically in traditional superhero stories, especially when it's written by men?
23: Well, um, that's a tough one. But. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think that what we touched on before with them having different origin myths is, is, is one thing. And another another thing that we do is um, we consciously make a choice, tell the animators, tell the story artists, of which we have a very high degree of women artists on this project. Not just myself and Cecilia, but we have several story artists, color artists, Prop artists who are um, every step of the way. Um, that's a real, real groundbreaker for animation because it's a traditionally uh, male field, and, and we do have a couple of male artists on it who are fathers of daughters who are doing it for their daughters. So we have a real conscious effort to keep the characters from you know, from even posing to feminine, like keep them uh, planted their feet planted. They are they're not like sexy or coy or yeah. you know they are um, you know they're reactive to their environments in a natural way and um then in terms of the costumes, you'll notice a lot of a lot of these characters and their comic origins are scantily clad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
18: Put
23: right. it in a nice way, yes. <laughs> so we've done our best to make sure that um, they are garbed appropriate for for fighting crime and. Uh, And wearing comfortable shoes and (laughs) holding their own against the guys. And I think
22: from yeah, and the bad guys. (laughs) From an artist's point of view, you know, I think women can bring definitely like something else to the table, you know, because. Women have been teenage girls, and you know, after all, this is these are teenage girls. You know, they're superheroes, but they're also teenage girls. So I think uh, you know, the women artists can bring like a different you know sensibility you know to these characters.
17: Yeah. So, because you seeing, all of a sudden they start <laughs> to change a lot of women they like that skin and play costumes and change Y'all see that from what you guys are doing? Y'all see that changing in the comics? Yeah. Based
8: on the change in lives, and do you see? maybe some of the comics changing based on what you guys have presented I, I
14: don't
22: really know we,
18: make, a, I mean can I
22: hope so we hope so yeah <laughs> I, I, maybe it's a little early to tell <laughs> <laughs> we have our own comics certainly yeah, so
23: that's, that's that's a that's a groundbreaking right there like we have a there, and and sorry, sorry. figures. Okay,
8: sorry, you go. Well, there are there are a lot of characters in this, a lot of characters oh, yes. in the, in the yeah. series, and yeah. um, <laughs> it's just on, the, just on the poster. There's like a, there's, there's a, like half a dozen uh, prominent leads. Mm-hmm. Do you think this? Do you see this story as an ensemble story, or will it focus on either Supergirl or, or, Wonder, Girl, or Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm.
23: It's a little bit of both. <laughs> um, different—we're already we have other things in production already, and we're highlighting different characters as we move forward. So it will always be um, there'll always be a core group
22: of girls who are our mains, but um, we're definitely meeting new people all the time. <laughs> and there's always, you know, a B story in the movie. So and we focus uh, in different characters, you know. So we have like a main plot, and then you know in the B story we you know, touch on other characters. Okay.
6: Being a teenage girl, I think, is especially difficult, you know, in, in high school and middle school, those dynamics. Do you get into any themes of, you know, cliques and being outside of that clique, or trying to find your own and being authentic to yourself, or bullying, which, Cheetah, you, know, you kind of get into that in, in the shorts and everything. Do you start to get into that more with this film?
23: Not with this film okay. and, and frankly we 're kind of uh, we 're kind of careful about that uh, because I think a lot of female uh, content aimed at women and little girls for this has kind of focused on the mean girl and you know it's fine to have conflict and all of us do in our lives and we all have people that we don't like as much as others but I don't think that we want that to be a main drive of this simply because we
22: want, uh, you know, we want to support women, And you know, support women supporting women. Yeah, and I think we wanted to focus more on this. These are, these are superheroes who happen to be teenagers, you know, not the other way around. You know, we didn't want to, like, focus so much on, you know, we, we touch upon their teenage problems because they are teenage girls, but we wanted to focus more in their superhero persona.
23: But it is nice to see. They have their own, like, you know, they have their moments. Wonder Woman has moments even where she feels like she's not having such a great day, and she questions herself. And so it's relatable in that angle.
8: So you mentioned, you know, some of our future projects. Can you talk a little bit about what might be seen after the movie at all, maybe? I don't
23: think. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to. <laughs> oh, okay. We are part of yeah. a conglomeration of a lot of people to yes. like it if we don't tease too much.
8: all kind of keep Like,
23: Actually, it was proposed to us. Oh, okay. Um, the DC and Mattel joined forces with Warner. Products, getting and uh, thought of this idea and approaches as the artists to bring to life.
8: I mean, was there a bit of a challenge, I guess, trying to come up with uh, nice designs of how
23: you wanted these characters to mm. look? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's <a> been <bit> tricky. <laughs> but, I mean, because we're pleasing a lot of people, we have to make sure that the toy company can manufacture the costumes. We want to make sure that the animation is true to the toy without breaking the bank with the animation and uh, so yes there's a lot of um, a lot of cooks in the kitchen a lot of people <laughs> please and a lot of characters we've designed about 250 of them so far <laughs> yeah, yeah
12: maybe,
8: like maybe something that didn't actually go on, go on. pretty much stuff that's like on am cutting board that didn't that
23: Oh, i I mean,
8: did y'all did have anything that was like, that didn't go through that you actually wanted to kind of uh,
23: push? You know, sometimes it gets tough when you have, especially with the shorts, and you have to
22: hit a three minute time, you know, and you just can't fit everything that you wanted. And, like, yeah. You know. Well, I think the movie is a good opportunity for that. You know, you want to explore more, you know, about the characters. You know, you have a chance to do that in the feature length, you know, because the shorts, you have such a limited amount of time, you know. All these, all these uh, shorts and movies are so action-packed that you usually don't have a lot of time to explore in the characters, <laughs> so,
8: uh, yeah. One of the uh, lines that I, I read uh, coming out for the DC Supergirls was to be an effort to make be inclusive in the verse. Can you talk about how you approach that in terms of, you know, not only including different characters of color, but kind of portraying them in the spotlight?
22: Sorry, can you repeat the question?
8: Uh, a line I saw from like when this was first announced that there's a, an effort to be inclusive and diverse with the characters. Oh, absolutely. Can you talk about that, bro? Uh,
23: we are absolutely pushing for it um, every chance we got. I think that that's what makes it strong. And like um, we're going through like, I want more cyborg lives. I want more cyborg lives. It comes down to that, you know. Like, we're making sure that everybody. Has their say. Thank you, Barry. Thank you.
22: <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> I got my cape on. She's right.
23: <laughs> I have my theoretical cape on. <laughs> oh,
22: thank you, guys.
16: Thanks. We're over that way. You're gonna come here. So I give you Tila Dunn. Bumblebee. Tila Dunn,
6: Bumblebee,
24: Bumblebee. Anais Fairweather, Supergirl. Supergirl.
6: Stephanie Shea, Katana, superhero girls, hero Deer.
24: I, I was like, I want one of those. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go open some doors.
18: <laughs>
8: what can we expect? Ex- expect. Sorry, uh In this movie from Bumblebee. Supergirl and Katana
12: That's a good question Um, You can expect a lot of sass From Bumblebee (laughs) She is just the sassy character But what's really cool about her is that Especially in this you're going to see Her caring side a lot in this movie I mean she just cares so much about her friends She'll constantly put her friends before herself And you'll see a lot of sacrifices that she makes Which is really cool I mean she has a great personality And she's just kind of the best friend That anybody can dream of She's really sweet
24: Supergirl, you'll get a lot of her backstory and a lot of her history. You get to see what happens to her on Krypton, her relationship with her parents, and kind of the way that Dark Opal uses this against her. So you get to see a lot of Supergirl's massive heart and um, maybe some more insight onto... How she feels being on Earth and having these powers, and does she like them? Does she not like them? Um, and um, and how that's used against her. So our vulnerability sometimes we use against us. So we see a lot of that. Yeah.
4: For katana in this movie, you just get to see her kicking butt a lot. <laughs> yeah.
24: That's pretty much it. Very <laughs> true. And that's what we want. You know? Yeah, we like watching katana. Get out. <laughs> we do. Oh.
17: Did you um, get to meet Helen Slater at all?
24: No. Uh, no. Uh, no. I think that you should have a cameo. I think I should. Let's start a petition. Yeah, let's do that. Can we, <laughs> I think that I should have a cameo. Okay, perfect. We got it down. <laughs> but hopefully I get to at some point. that would be very exciting.
10: What was like your introduction to the Supergirl character? Like, when was the first time you ever saw Supergirl?
24: Oh, well, the first time I ever saw Supergirl was when they sent me the sides and I saw her animation. Is that what? Yeah. And... Uh, immediately thought she was just adorable and you know i read the script i read the sides and i was like this is an every woman girl i mean she is every woman every person can relate to her and i loved that about her people will ask you know what was it like putting on this voice or stepping into a character that character that's so iconic and it's like she just seemed like an everyday girl, an everyday person. And I think that we can all relate to her story and coming into her powers and figuring out how powerful she is and needing people around her to support her and becoming this great superhero. So um, that was the first time that I had seen her, uh, this character.
14: So, yeah, yeah. So, for each of you, what's something that you want viewers to take away from your character? What's maybe like your character's for like a better term? What's your character's message? What do you think? You know, especially younger girls stand to learn from each of your characters. It's a good question. Ooh, that
12: is good. Ooh, baby. <laughs> um, I feel like what's good about my character is she's so giving. I mean, she'll literally put everyone before herself. She's just she's just such a giver, and I mean, that's really good. I mean, she's not a selfish person at all, and um, I mean, besides the fact that my character is a colored superhero, I think that's really cool, too, because growing up, I didn't see any black superhero girls. I mean, I didn't see any black superheroes, but I definitely didn't see any black superhero girls. So I think that's really cool, and a lot of young girls can relate to my character in that fact and say, oh my gosh, like she looks like me. So that's really cool. So I I feel like that's something that they can take away from it as well. I love that;
24: it's great. Um, I think with Supergirl, like I said before, I think uh, everyone can kind of see themselves and a little bit of themselves in her. Yeah. So I really hope that people walk away with that feeling of self empowerment and um, kind of seeing the possibilities that are available to them, uh, such as, you know, with Supergirl's uh, powers. So, uh, I think that's kind of what I, I'd want people to walk away with, is is having more power within themselves. Yeah. Um,
4: for Katana, I don't know if you get, get it specifically from this film, but um, she's really competitive. And I think that in terms of for her character, what I'd like girls to walk away with is that it's okay to be competitive. You know, I think a lot of times girls were taught, like, you need to play nice, don't be so aggressive, da 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 But it's like, no, you can be competitive, and you can be a competitive, competitive with your friends, and that doesn't mean that you're
12: being mean. You're still friends, and compete for what you want. Yeah, okay. yeah, Bumblebee and <laughs> Bumblebee and- on, they come back and forth a lot. <laughs> In a good way, though. Yeah. They That's
17: do, good. yeah. They do. So having these young characters, uh, like, going through things that, like other young people go through. Do you think that it makes them more and, and they go through some of the struggles that you know, like everyday high school
24: children go through? Oh for sure. Oh yeah. I I think it's I, I think I keep feel like I keep saying the same thing, but I'm like I'm sorry my answers are all the same. But um, I think young people in high school or young people especially in junior high. Junior High was like the worst. It was Um, hard. It was the worst. (laughs) It was really hard. It's it's such an awkward time. I feel like in junior high you're like I have arms and legs. Like it's the first time you've seen your body before. Um it's There's so much to pull from, you know, from the show and for everybody. Um, and I love seeing them. I love seeing, like, these superheroes in the framework of being in high school. You know? It's like, because here they are. They have all these powers, and they're still... I, I'm talk, speaking for Supergirl because these girls are just, like, super, super powerful. But she's awkward and she's like how do i do this how do i use these and and so it's it's neat to see that setting for a superhero i, I love seeing like i mean you know flying through the hallways at school mm-hmm. and sitting in the cafeterias and the conversations, and it's just its so much fun. And then in this film, you get to see outside a superhero, we get to go to the, the moon. So, <laughs> I mean, what does that look like? I mean, you'll see. So. Um,
8: so, Katana's going to be in a movie coming up soon, but she's not really a character that has been portrayed but I mean, she's been around for like 30-40 years but she's not been portrayed in a lot of yeah. the media so like you have the movie version and you have the superhero the DC superhero girls version
4: uh-huh. when you say movie version you mean Suicide Squad that's what I mean yeah
8: so how do you think you know I, we don't know much about her in the movie but in this one which has actually been around longer how do you think that yours kind of sets herself apart and especially for a younger audience makes Katana a bit more palatable or at least differentiating in that way compared to the kind of more adult movie version?
4: Well, in this film you don't really get that much of her backstory and I think that like in in Katana, in the lore of Katana, a lot of her history happens like later in her life like when she gets married and all that, and then all the yeah, stuff yeah. with when she gets her sword and all that kind of stuff that happens later so you don't really have that so I feel like it is this interesting like slate for the writers to be able to create something I think there is like aspects of her personality that you see because she, she is you know she has a a very strong sense of honor and uh, properness and I do, do think that you do see that she has a very when uh, she's a very strong leadership uh, uh, personality, and you do see that in this characterization of her.
8: Okay. And I one oh, question. Um, you're also a boy Is that
4: right? Me?
8: Yes.
12: Oh... Okay. Probably. It's what it said on AMD. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess. what's
8: the difference
12: between voice in Artemis and voice in Bumblebee? Oh, 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 and this. Yes. Oh, okay, I thought That's, you meant, know, like, no, 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 the no, name no. of some show. Oh, um, um, I just changed my voice completely. I mean, with Bumblebee, I make her really cute and, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm Bumblebee. Like, mm-hmm. that, and then, um, with Artemis, it was a lot more, like, aggressive and, like, not cute. <laughs> at all, so... Okay.
8: <laughs> I want this guy to come and turn us all. So. You,
6: before he comes back, have yes. you at all seen Supergirl under the shadow or in the shadow of Wonder Woman? Because she was the main character in the first season, yeah. and now you've come in. So how does this movie play to you, like sort of stepping up? And
24: I love that. Yeah, in the first one, yes, she's in love with Wonder Woman. I mean, it's like this is her hero, you know? So I think in, 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 this, in this film you get to see a lot of Supergirl not really questioning herself anymore not feeling herself in the shadow anymore of the other superheroes and kind of now fighting alongside the rest of them so so I think uh, I think you you do see her kind of come out of the shadow and, and take on her powers although like I said before you know She's still weak from the the whole experience with Krypton and what's happened to her beforehand. So, so that is used against her. However, she ends up being more powerful than ever by the end of it. Yeah, you know.
10: Okay. Cool. Thank you. Right. You Thanks, people? guys. Thank you very much. Two more.
24: Nice to okay. you
10: guys. We're gonna to have Tom Strong, who is both uh, so Poison Ivy and
12: Carly uh, Quinn. Quinn, and Gray
10: Griffin,
16: who is Wonder Woman. Terra Strong,
6: Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Gray Griffin as Wonder Woman for DC Superhero Girls Hero of the Year.
23: Good,
16: how are you?
2: Doing well. Is anybody sitting here? Good.
8: So um you have pretty much at this point mostly the damage of Batman character. So how does it feel like jumping into Poison Ivy?
2: Oh, you know what? It was really good because, as what you know, we are. Um really amazing performance and we feel like we should be able to do every character, right? Isn't there like something like, I want to do think, that. I think I you already do. do. Right?
1: <laughs> but if you don't do it, you like, I want to do that.
2: Oh, okay. right? So I'm like, oh, now I get to do that? That's yeah. fine. Um. So it's just another great fun role and I, I actually feel really honored being part of this universe. So anytime there's a new DC character that I get to, I'm like, oh, I've heard of oh, her. And when I was a kid, I read the comics. I was a huge Batgirl fan. I had, I've got like some really good first issue Batgirl comics that my dad helped me get, and they're still in my house in Canada. Not giving you the address. You're one of those
1: beautiful women that actually really did read comic books. I did. Because there's so many beautiful women that are like, I'm really into comic books. And you're like, oh, really? What ones? And they're like. <laughs> it's like, you know, the ones that, the paper. I,
2: ones. I have to be honest, though, my favorite <laughs> the when I was a kid was Archie. <laughs> I loved Archie. Oh, Comics.
1: yes.
22: Have you, seen, have you seen anything from Riverdale? <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, yeah, like you really should. I mean, I
2: was obsessed. I had every double digest. Oh. I loved Archie. And we're Betty and Veronica. We are. Why don't we do. We should do a
1: little web series or
18: something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my God, we just had a genius <laughs> idea. It, we're not sharing guy. the money with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Yeah, well, I'm in.
8: Um, so does it feel weird sometimes when someone
14: else voices a character to the article? We know, hate that. Girl, it's like, like
1: <laughs> we really hate that.
14: <laughs>
2: that we style. hate that one the most. Oh.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> and 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 the people that well I mean they, they, they when they did the new Powerpuff they had you know uh, other peers like trying they're like do you want to audition for this and I was like let me call Tara what's going on with that and then I'm like no no I not when
2: you create okay so here's you know, when other people are back or whatever I get but when you create a character from scratch where it wouldn't be what it is without you who help mold the voice who help mold different ways they say things expressions accents whatever it is sometimes even other languages and that character Goes on to create a huge fan base where they're making billions of toys or whatever it is. We all have that
1: role that we feel like we really created that. Those are hard to be like, Wow, really? I'm still here. <laughs> and also, <laughs> like, to not let those women audition for those roles again. Like, they just kind of didn't even allow them to even try to get whatever because they were like, We're going in a new direction. Like, Well, good. Can I go in that direction? <laughs> <laughs> well, most of
2: us work all the time because we're versatile. Like, they said, Well, we want them to be older. And my, it's like, we have 40 year old women playing kindergartners you can make them a little older but that was that one was kinda heartbreaking. But it doesn't, like I said, really bother me and this obviously I'm still on the show and I have a great time and it's
1: just in different, you know Series, so it ha- it does happen. It's part of our yeah. business. Even this, I play Catwoman in other areas, and I was like, "Who's playing Catwoman?" Yeah. <laughs> Even though I never begrudge another actor work, I'm happy that yeah. I mean, we're out. always very supportive of each other. But when
2: you are a character, I feel like, and we've been saying this, like they become part of you. They live upstairs, and you bring them
1: down to play. So when someone else is doing it, it feels
2: does feel strange. Yeah.
1: If I really like them, though, I'm like, "Oh, that's In fact, <laughs> when when we did Shaolin Showdown, and then they ended up doing it with Canadian, and so some of the people got to stay because they were we were Canadian citizens, but I did I was not Canadian, but they but I was like, oh well who's playing Kim- Kimiko? and they're like Jennifer Hill. And I was like, oh okay I love Jennifer Hill. <laughs> so you know it depends. It if the depend. person who takes over is the match then no. <laughs> Not saying anything about the new Powerpuff Girls because I know nothing about them. I, I don't want it. to say anything bad about
22: them. So, what's
14: it like, Tara, playing you know these two characters who traditionally
22: for years and years years have been villains? So playing them more as heroic and with the rest of the group, I think lying? it's so
2: endearing and sweet and cute and part of a whole girl power um, theme. With you know, this is their lives before anything bad happened to them, and, and you know, like you were saying, all these bad things that happened to create who you are. So it's interesting to see them in this world and it's a lot of fun I mean anytime I'm doing Harley I, I'm literally laughing at how funny I am because I'm really funny but like she'll be doing all these things and like you know Wonder Woman comes
1: in and she's like nervous about her room whatever and I'm like let me
2: decorate it for you and she's like serious and I'm like Woo-hoo!
1: she's really uh, you, fun you have to wonder what happened to Harley after high school right
2: if this is <laughs> true yeah downhill <laughs>
25: yeah. fast hopefully she got her degree she became a psychologist she did like, we go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know that yeah
1: most psychologists are though. So I have to say, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, like, and you their would kids. Mom, right? Every weird, every, like, like person that's, like, just, like, really screwed up, I'm always like, what happened? They're like, my parents are psychologists. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Too much access to drugs. <laughs> we went off. We're, we're, what are we talking about? It's better than your last interview. <laughs> oh, my sound bites. My sound yeah. bite. <laughs> We've seen Wonder Woman start to step out on her own throughout the, the shorts,
6: so what's her story in this movie?
1: She actually is kind of letting the other girls shine in this movie. She's been Hero of the Year, so, you know, she's, she's, she's like the Meryl Streep of Hero of the Year, oh, wow, you know, like, okay. give the other girls Did a you chance. Just call yourself Meryl Streep? <laughs> she, I like to talk about myself in the third person. She, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, she's really pretty much championing her friends, and she does save one girl's butt um, on the moon. Oh. Yeah. It, it's very, I, pun intended, she saved her butt on the moon. Anyway. <laughs> Aww, clever. Yeah. yeah.
8: Do um, Harley and Ivy, they have that kind of a BFF friendship... Uh, for a while now so do they interact in that way and so what's it like voicing both of those characters
2: so for this show I do them back to back and they're so different that you never confuse them like sometimes if you're playing characters that are similar I'm like let me do this one first and then go back but they're so different that I just do them back to back and it's pretty comical because Harley's so big and Poison Ivy's so timid <laughs> in this series like she's really shy and sweet so um, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's not so much challenging once in a while you'll mix up a line and go oh that wasn't but usually we, we
23: keep it straight. Yes, yes, yes.
14: So, Gray, you've
22: done a whole range of characters. You've gone from Azula to Wonder Woman. Which
1: you know, which side do you find yourself more drawn to, in I'm an evil person at heart, you know, Azula. Azula would make mincemeat out of Wonder Woman and push her off of her throne. <laughs> <laughs> Even if she had those shields or whatever, invisible car. Um, <laughs> um, I enjoy playing villains more. I, it, it, I don't often play the straight girl. Even when I play Daphne, you know, she's gotten weird. I, as I play her, she's gotten more weird every time I play her um, and sarcastic and snarky and everything it's just it's, I just don't often play the earnest you know just straight arrow character so this is kind of like a challenge for me to not bring in that little bad girl. yes oh. um, yeah.
18: <laughs> and the crazy girl. <laughs> and the mean Vicky
1: person to your
5: Timmy you should go away oh that's right
18: <laughs>
8: so you were both, you're both oh, no. antagonists. I just know that. Oh yeah,
1: we antagonize each other mm-hmm. daily.
8: Wow. Yeah. I, don't know yeah. I apologize. Do <laughs> you
9: guys keep track of how often you're in stuff together to like fair loud parents
8: with marmite spring
1: We're just happy to see each other at sessions because I know it'll be more fun with sitting next to her. We text to each we other. We text. If people are annoying, we're like, oh my god, get it right. <laughs>
2: we just started busting us. too I But know. for the
1: are like just texting each other. I
23: know.
1: Yeah, we're like, why did they hire that person? We could have done
18: that.
23: They're not we even funny. They're not really even making us one old bitches. We in
18: are. Business. We're
1: going to be up in a balcony someday on the Muppets, just like why did they hire that person? I'm terrible.
8: <laughs> so you two have been in the voice acting industry for at least over a decade. Yeah. So and a lot of people kind of see you as as icons in that way. Um, and we just talked to like, uh, like like the voice actors for Supergirl and Bumblebee. You know they're like younger. So, what do you think about the voice acting industry in terms of like a lot of it's female? Like, there's a lot of women behind there. What do you think about how it's kind of been a way for women to kind of perform? And how do you see it? Try to voice it, say this like, like like do you see it as a viable thing for uh, women to do in terms of performance and are you happy with ways it's go in uh, up to now? I want that
1: I love that, that uh, you know, there's so much ageism in Hollywood, you know, on camera-wise, and I understand, especially with HD, it's like you see yourself and you're like, ah! No, I thought I looked halfway decent. Um, yeah, don't put me on HD again. Um, <laughs> technology. <laughs> um, but, you know, with voiceovers, you know, I still play, I mean, I'm playing a 15-year-old, you know, I mean, I, I'm playing an infant, and I'm like, <laughs> and she does too, like, she, we, we play like zygotes, <laughs> and um and then we play old ladies, and there's really no ageism in it. I mean, you know, if you just, if you start sounding, like, if you can't do the voice anymore, maybe then, but if that's that comes down to just your talent, or, you know, so I I just, I I just feel like we hearts are so much more opened up to us, like people don't, I just don't find, I feel bad for on-camera actresses is what I'm saying, because <laughs> they have this window to be like the sexy girl, you know, and, I, and we've been being, I've been being the sexy girl for 22 years. So, not in real life. But. I think you're going to be sexy when you're 100. <laughs> well, I can still play, you know. I can play. I'll sound good. <laughs> People will meet me in person. They're like, ah. You know, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, What's well, a question. <laughs> do I like that girls are in power. Like, I like an industry that empowers women, and certainly animation has made strides. I mean, it's sometimes still um, they've got a ways to go, but things like DC Girls and other shows that empower women, that are written by women, directed by women, those things are all really, really great we're pretty happy to be a yeah. part of
1: it. And I mean, I, 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 when we started, didn't you find that you were usually the only woman in the booth? Like, usually they would hire one woman um, to do, like, the grandma, the boy, the, the the teenage girl, you know, and then there was, like, five guys in there with you and, and they all played one part, you know, and I was just thinking, you know, we're like the utility, we're like the Swiss Army knife of voiceover. Um, but these days, I mean, you know, just the fact that this cast is mostly female—that just hardly ever happens where there's more than a couple women in the booth. And on, on Fairly Odd Parents, you know, we've got Suzanne and we've got Kari Walgren, and you know, and, and this, I don't remember her name, but, um, but yeah, me and her, and, and and so it's like nice. And there's only a couple guys in the booth to, as opposed to four women at, at you know Fairly Odd Parents. And then I'm doing The Loud House at Nickelodeon, which is like ten sisters and one boy. So like yeah, we're just the women are taking over the presidency, hopefully. Um, yeah. So.
14: What's one, like, what's a message or a theme that you want, you know, viewers, especially younger girls, to take from the film in general, or from your characters specifically?
2: From our our characters specifically? um, Well, just that you don't really have to have any kind of superpower to be a hero, and that um, working together and empowering your fellow sisters is always a good thing, and,
18: um, you know,
2: that you can be strong no matter how tall you are. I think our, our show has a lot of great in it. And it's a really great wardrobe. I mean, the girls look really great without being over-sexualized. And I think it's a really good message for young
1: guys. Yeah, I, I, it used to be cool to not have other women friends. To just like, like, I just like guys. You know, guys who are trustworthy. I don't trust women. I feel like it's becoming... People are seeing how cool it is to have a great stable of female friendships and, and also male friendships. Like, they're, Everybody's just friends. There's not a lot it's, it's not important About your superpower Or your gender Or whatever I mean it's just About being Working together And helping each other And empowering one another
24: so.
7: I just a question
8: As Vicky and Timmy You guys like He's, really he's still
1: wrapping His mind around, like saying, Hold on a minute
8: <laughs> Really high pitched voices Really like screeching All the time Screaming like Does it ever like Just like Kill your throats I'm genuinely curious
5: No Tootie wanted to kiss Timmy All the time I oh, you Don't oh, you oh, Kimmy.
8: Yeah.
18: It can be challenging. <laughs> if you're
2: doing a video game and you're like screaming for four hours, that can kill your voice. But most of the regular animated characters we do, we find ways to perform them without hurting our voices. Okay. Because there's ways of getting around certain hiccups in your voice. That's why we always say, like, how do you get into business voice? And take acting classes, take singing classes, like, learn what your voice can do.
18: Um,
2: because certainly if you're yelling wrong, you're going to blow your vocal voice. So yeah. Cut. Thank, Thank you very much.
1: Thank
18: you. Thank you. Thank you. you guys are awesome. Oh, Thank you. I have my yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I got a lot of credit for that part. She got a lot of credit for Mandy and Grim Adventures and I got a credit for that you I was like oh. Mandy I was really, Wait, but, oh my god! But people are always people were like, Oh my god, I love you uh, as Raven, and they told her, I love you as Mandy. Okay, what voice <laughs> what voice work have
12: you guys done? Was <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys on Rugrats or yeah. both were, but the main, main she was a main man. She was You don't even know. Rugrats is my everything <laughs> 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 is my
11: voice. Yeah no.
6: Roger Craig Smith, yeah. Batman Unlimited rapid fire
11: or in a clockwise circle the to your
6: experience
11: what's the least obtrusive <laughs> don't be so obtuse <laughs> it's not obtrusive do uh, it. do I, uh, it. I don't care either way yeah there you go exactly <laughs> yeah. and was the name of the question it was declarative more than anything I guess All
8: Right. Uh, was it I guess my question is we'll go um, you
11: were in the show Big O what's that Big O was guy. I in the show yeah, no no you were in the show you played pretty- no you're thinking of Roger Smith the character oh my voiced my by goodness. Steve no, Bloom. You just lost your question. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. no. That's right.
18: Yeah, exactly. Yes, as Roger Smith from Scan
11: and all that stuff. It's okay. Anyways, um, what's that? It, it feels amazing. To, to voice Batman is, is unreal. To have been able to do it the first time for Arkham Origins was like, I can't believe I get to do this. And then when they, the call came in that they wanted me for another project, it was like, Okay, I mean, like, it, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I never in a million years could have thought that I would be voicing something as iconic as that, and yet I've been lucky enough to do it more than once. So it's, yeah, it's it's an embarrassment of riches uh, in terms of opportunities. Um, and, and and again it's like I don't know I know that like it's been so established with with actors like Kevin Conroy and um and there's a you know there's there's a list of, of actors that have all lent their voice to Batman but to to, to add my name to that list is surreal. It's
10: serious voice Batman like oh difference
18: which is good I guess. I mean it's you know
11: especially for origins we wanted to kind of skew that towards uh, I think Troy was in talking about his performance as Joker with what Mark Hamill had established and what Kevin Conroy had established. Troy said, look, there was like there was a point on the horizon where the, the performances, we wanted whatever we were doing to be sort of believable, that it, these could sort of grow up to be those versions of, uh, of the characters. And we were definitely mindful of that. In fact, um, we changed it up even for for, uh, for Batman Unlimited. Wes Gleason, our director, uh, worked closely with me to, to kind of say, hey, we're not going to do necessarily that same dark brooding or unhinged kind of thing this is a more of a this is a more calm collected batman and obviously we're skewing something more family friendly with the unlimited series um so we try to try to play it up in that way as opposed to uh, origins was an origin story so he was much more about trying to find out what kind of batman he was going to become and with this it's just more like nah he's he's batman there's no there's no wondering about what kind of batman he's going to be um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a blast. It's a it's an, to say it's an honor is like you know doesn't doesn't do it enough justice.
8: Is that how you characterize your Batman? Like a very calm, collected, uh, uh, kind of straightforward Batman.
11: Yeah, for for the Unlimited series, I would say for sure. Yeah, I mean Origins was a different situation, but for this, yeah, he's he's just Batman, tried and true. I mean, it's like there's no uh, there's no him trying to figure out who he is or what he's doing it's just no he's got all the answers and, and, uh, uh, and he's out to, to stop the bad guys so it's, it's the classic Batman as far as I can think of it's a classic version of Batman but skewed more towards introducing it to a younger audience which is uh why also I really like getting to be a part of this. Origins is great, video games are cool, but they tend to skew to like an older audience. And as grown-ups, we all love these characters because we were introduced, them, introduced to them at some point in our lives very early on. And to be a part of something where like kids might really pick this up for the first time, get some of the toys and watch the movie and go, oh, this is this is cool. To know that I got to be the voice of something being introduced to them at that age is cool. I always like that. It's fun to be able to tell my friends, yeah, hey, your kids can watch this project that I'm about part of because there's a lot of things I might do where they're like hey we bought this uh, Assassin's Creed game for our son like no no that's not a good idea yeah, don't do that <laughs> It's like so to do the family friendly stuff is always cool
22: um, so sort of direct follow up to that you talked emotionally mentally like how you approach the Batman's differently is there anything like technically voice wise that you do differently between the Origins and this
11: um not not really it was more of a performance thing I, like, like like the voice was still just that dark you know yeah, he's always a command. um but it was uh, it was more like an attitudinal kind of a thing, where it was like you know the, the, the Batman of uh, of origins, you know, would, would tend to you know how many lives he would give, almost that like Christian Bale sort of uh, uh, throat gravel growl. Um, and I don't know that we've really ever even approached that with uh, with with um, With the unlimited back um, just just more straightforward, I think, but technically nothing i 've done differently with the voice, just more of a uh, how we approach the performance, and that 's Wes and our director kind of like steering me in the right direction.
6: Each of the films, I think, has stepped up in danger level. Like the, the villains sort of get worse and worse, and it's yeah. difficult for Batman to deal with. Yeah. So how is he doing with this current threat level, and, and what is the Batman story arc in this movie?
11: So I've heard someone say it's like Pacific Rim in Gotham, essentially, which is interesting. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty right. Well, I mean, and I love this because it was like in the last one we had you know Batman um, riding a robotic dinosaur shooting lasers, which I was just like, well, that's about as cool as life could ever get. And now we've got Batman. Men in a mech suit um, so uh, obviously with uh, with, with uh, Mr. Freeze basically uh, coming up with this I, I, for lack of a better term serum or formula to allow like Bane and Killer Croc to become these huge mutants Batman's got to answer the call so what better than like a massive mech suit to, uh, to do battle but yeah it's uh, they, they keep ramping it up but I think that's, that's what you have to do for kids you know these kids today they got got more and more entertainment. But no, it's interesting to see, uh, to see Batman kind of use even more technology than what he normally does to, to face this particular threat. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. It's a good question. They keep ramping it up, so now we got to get, you know. Yeah. The only thing that could be cooler is if, and maybe we'll do this for another one someday, hopefully, uh, mech suit, riding a giant robotic dinosaur <laughs> with laser cannons, that that would be a huge robotic dinosaur, already. In, so I would love
8: to see what would force his hand to do that.
11: Right? Yeah, exactly. Why would he, if Joker all of a sudden is just ginormous? He's the size of a small the planet. Are high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
8: I get the vibe that this uh, movie is kind of like, a bridge, a bit like, like was that. The girl? I
11: really don't know. I mean, um, I know that, like, uh, what do we get, Chris Doc Wyatt, and uh, Kevin Burke as the writers, and I don't know if there was any sort of influence on that. I mean, um, Will, might you might want to ask Will that question. Um, no, I don't know if uh, if there was any specific sort of, like, an homage to a previous sort of iteration of the character or anything like that, or another sort of series of, of films or even an animated series that they wanted to kind of go with. Um, I know that they've got the toy line to kind of support all of this stuff, uh, and, and obviously, like, you want to be able to introduce certain, elements in that to support the toys and all that kind of stuff but I don't know I don't know if it was uh, sort of motivated by any sort of previous iterations
8: Do you do uh, in this Batman unlimited uh, version do you voice other merchandise in this world?
11: Uh, You know what I don't we might do like what they call walla which is like background (laughs) stuff or it's like you know crowd scenes Um, and I'm sure there's been probably a couple other characters here and there like there might be like a police officer that I voiced or something like that but the weirdest thing about what we do in terms of the way these things are produced and the way the, the process goes, I'm going to watch the film for the first time with everybody else today um, in its finished form. Um, and uh, and so, there's the, it, because we record like sometimes a year ago, if not longer, um, there, there's a lot of stuff you forget that you did. So, you'll watch the film and all of a sudden you go, oh, that was me. You know, like for like another character. Um, so, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm sure there are other little incidental characters that I've done throughout the film, but which ones I couldn't tell you it's like yes cop number 2
8: but well, you know. like, like uh, in terms of like like the toys or anything like that or maybe even a big Batman only in the video game, how they approach you say you're the batman in this version that this person does a toy this person
11: does a game oh you know what it doesn't work that way I don't think I mean like when they called me to say like they they want you for another project I was like yes I'm on my way where do I go (laughs) and I don't think that they you know because there have been a number of actors that have sort of lent their voice to the character I don't think they say like well you're this Batman for us okay? and that's where you'll stay it's like you know, it's, it, nobody owns the roles. Nobody's guaranteed anything. That's why it's always amazing if you get to do it more than once. Um, but no, I don't think there's... They, they haven't come to me and said, well, you're going to be our young Batman. You know, like, you're going to be the Batman for our young audience. It's nothing like that. Um, because there's... I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think of all the different guys that have done it. Um, because there's so many different, you know, versions of it. And obviously, you've got the Killing Joke that, that, that was uh, premiered here. And it's back to Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill doing, you know, Batman and Joker, Joker respectively. So, um and it's not as if they're the older you know or the more mature it's like sure they're they're well established in it but we've seen other versions of you know Son of Batman they had a different voice actor and I forget the guy's name there you go thank you um, good on you. Uh, and it, so it, it works that way but I don't think they're looking at, at that saying well you'll be the Batman for this series of, of games or this series of you know films anything like that I wish it worked that way but it doesn't
8: so have you like? Uh, do you know anybody personally person that yeah, you've shown this, or at least the previous uh element like any friends or uh, kids or kids that you know?
11: Like, have they have you seen kids react to this? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the one of the joys of being on social media and uh, and having like you know old friends from high school and whatnot kind of go, this is so crazy. I remember you as this goofy kid in high school, and it's like now you're Batman, and my kids are like w- loving this. They're just like, and and I get to go there. Well, I know Batman, you know that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's been fun. I mean that that's why I say like the. the family-friendly stuff to me is always... It's always more of an honor to be a part of that than it is for for some of the more adult stuff because I think it's so cool that we get to introduce kids. I mean, as adults, we already know, like, I love Batman, I love this character, I love that character. But we can kind of forget, like, you know, when we were introduced to it and what it meant to us at that time when the fantasy was still there, right? Um, and so it's neat to, to have a, a situation where you've got... Um, you know the, the the roots are being sort of like you know established with like young kids that are getting to see these uh, these films for the first time and getting to be introduced to these characters. So it's uh, it's fun when I, I've got a friend that calls me up and goes, "Oh man, you know I didn't know that you were in this or like you know who who the heck do you think you are thinking you're Batman? You know that kind of thing. It's like you're that dork in high school that you know." So it's, it's fun.
8: So, like, I mean, like, you've listed, like, other voice actors who voice Batman in animation and yeah. movies or like that. Have you ever, like, um, gotten together with them and, like, kind uh, of, you know, compared notes or anything like
11: that? No, in fact, I mean, like, I've had some people ask, like, you know, like, have you ever... Did you seek anything from Kevin or, you know, what, with regard to other characters, you know, it, it, did you contact the previous actor to ask him? And really and truly the job is just sort of... Uh, it, it's... It boils down to when I show up, I've got to be prepared to, to work with the director and have them tell me what it is that they want from me, and uh, and it's not up to me to kind of like say, oh, I'm going to do this version of the character, um, because it changes so often from like to from project to project, and so I also wouldn't want to. I mean, it was a big deal for me like to, to kind of reach out and like follow Kevin on Twitter. I, I held off on doing that for quite a while because it was like, I think when Origins came out, I think people were expecting me to be like, yeah, that's right, I'm Batman. It's like, no, I didn't think that way at all. It was, right, right. It was like, I cannot believe I have this opportunity. But they had established these roles in the animated sense and in the video game sense for so long that it was like, I hope people don't think that I think I'm stepping into these shoes in any oh, sure. way, shape, or form. And so I, I eventually had messaged, messaged him and said, I like, mean, I hope we get a, a chance to meet someday at a convention or something like that, you know, and and, and was basically just paying mad respect and going like, look, I, uh, you know, this was an opportunity and you couldn't be nicer. Um, and I hope I get a chance to meet him someday, which is kind of ironic. I have yet to meet him. Um, but we haven't done a convention together or anything like that. Like and nine times out of ten, I know he's here, but it's like everybody's off doing different things. Um typically you I don't know that you would want to ask another actor like, you know, what they did because you nine know, times out of ten. Well no, nine times out of ten it's like I gotta like I said, I got I gotta professionally I've gotta do whatever in this regard Wes Gleason, our voice director, would be the one to tell me what he wants from me. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't really ever work to where I get to show up and say, like, oh this is the version that I'm going to do and you will take it, it's like I'm hired to do a voice, to provide a voice to this character. And and the people that have created all of it, do all the writing, do all of the uh, the animation, all that kind of stuff, those are the people who are also helping to create the character. So it's up to me to kind of make sure that I can be malleable and adjustable and directable. Mm-hmm. But I don't get to determine what it's going to be. So if I was to ask another actor, it might kind of influence me in a, in a either either in a good way or in a bad way. But at the end of the day, i got to do what the director asks.
8: In the, oh, so... Uh... I know you mean voice down Yeah. What was it like being part of that like that show was just crazy all around What was it like being in that character that kind of started off as him and, and then all of a sudden it's
11: like, oh he's, he's a spy. Right? He's a spy, Russian yeah. spy. Yeah. Uh it, that was awesome. I mean like getting to, getting to be a part of something like that and work with another creative individual. It again it kind of answers uh, the same question where it's like I can remember they, they they brought me up to the Thomas thing and it was like uh, I was like oh he's a goat and I said like, so I make goat sounds or something and like, JG the creator was like no dude it's like it's just a very basic like straightforward kind of like he's just like, he's a scapegoat but he's not a goat goat and I was like oh okay and he was like so don't don't do goat sounds. Um, and, it's, and it's one of those things too where it's like you know, I, I didn't know what they wanted to do. and he like, yeah just kind of like your regular voice but maybe a little younger and I was like oh okay uh, and it was a blast I mean JG's one of the most creative people I think I've ever met and created something very, very sort of like I always say it's like it, it feels like something you would have like seen in the 80s to a degree or like it pays so much of like an homage to like 80s pop culture in a lot of ways But it's so unique and so original and so bizarre in so many ways and to be a part of that and and to have had like a recurring character like that was also a huge honor. And that's another one of those fun things where I get to like you know have friends say like oh my kids are huge you know fans of regular show. I didn't realize you did all those characters like yeah it's nuts.
12: in the previous two films, Robin
6: hasn't had much, uh, he's been somewhat progressing, but he's like mostly staying in the cave, and then at the big battle scene he comes yeah, yeah. out, but then in the trailer we see that he's in the Batmobile. Yeah. So can you talk about your relationship with Robin in this one, and, and has he been progressing,
4: have you been teaching him more?
11: I think yeah, and I think there's a couple scenes, that it, I'm trying not to reveal spoilers and whatnot, um, I think there's a couple scenes where it's like he's, I mean, he's still Robin through and through, um, and we play around with that I think a little bit more in the Unlimited series than we do in, in Certain other iterations, but um, no, I would say he's more competent. But it's like obviously he's got to progress. So and we can't keep going to that well where it's like you know. Oh, Robin! Yeah. You know you're so funny. <laughs> so I would say I'm trying to I'm trying to skirt all the uh, the spoiler alerts on this, but uh, I'll just go with Robin's Robin. Okay. Maybe it's a more enhanced version of Robin in this one. Maybe it's not. Okay. How about that? Is that safe? We'll find out today at the premiere. Yeah. How about that?
9: We talk
11: a lot about your approach to Batman, but what about your approach to Bruce Wayne? Cause we see him every now and then. Almost like, oh, you have to go Yeah, yeah. You know, what, I've always like I've, when when Origins was coming out, we were doing a lot of press for that. A lot of people are like, well, who do What do you think Batman is? Like, you know, is Batman Bruce Wayne or is Bruce Wayne Batman? And I've always, I've always just gone with, to me. Batman is Bruce Wayne. I mean, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's somebody who experienced an unbelievable trauma at an early stage in life, and, and as a result, basically vowed to make sure that he can uh, prevent that from happening to anybody else, right? And to me, that's, that's a very human sort of uh, approach. Like that, that to me is a decision that Bruce Wayne made to then go don the cowl and, and become this superhero. Um, the approach when it comes to like Bruce Wayne is, is I think it's maybe a little still a little more little more lighthearted and unlimited as opposed to I mean I always felt that Origins was basically the story of Bruce Wayne and Alfred and the, almost like a father figure that Alfred was trying to become for Bruce Wayne in that and Bruce Wayne kind of going hey I'm not this little kid anymore you know I, I am a capable competent individual and learning that he also then needed to accept help you know, like that—that that it could be advantageous to him. Um, and for this, I don't know that we're going to see much of a development or a, a new approach to Bruce Wayne per se. Usually, it's—it's it's more in just sort of supporting the storyline of this duality that he—that he, you know, this dual existence that he has. But I don't know that there's anything too specific or relevant about Bruce Wayne in this particular film. So the approach might not be all that different in this one as opposed to the the two previous. Nothing. Oh, no. You want to sign it to me, or? <laughs> Sorry.
14: Uh, oh, so, um, Nightwing is also. Are yep. they at the stage where... Because there are many occasions where Bruce and Nightwing are sort of at odds with each other. Are, is that where they start? Or do they start, like, they've sort of passed whatever issues they've had and they're, like, ready to just, I okay, think, I, need I, your, think I need your help here. Come on down to Gotham.
11: I think it's always been a respectful sort of no, situation, no, exactly. but, but you got to have that. I mean, it's more exciting to have there be a little bit of, like, tension, yeah. a little bit of conflict. And I know we play that up still. So there's still the snarky interaction, which works really well because, you know, it's It's Will. It's Will. It's Will. A couple more, real quick.
6: Um, with the heroes that are involved, we always see Oliver Queen and then they sort of switch in and out of Super. Is there anyone that you would want to really have in there another Superhero you'd like to play off of?
11: Super Sonic the Hedgehog because oh, wow. then I'd get to play like two roles and it would be all me and it would be super important okay. no that would be fun though that'd be a, that'd be a bizarre and a, that might get a little that might be yeah, a couple different yeah legally might we might get some emails about that one guys thank you I'm being told I gotta I think oh wait a minute Will goes here alright yeah good you, sir. luck enjoying Will that guy Lousy Nightwing
6: Wilfred L, Batman <laughs> Unlimited. I'm
25: sorry. What? No. I'm a, no. No. Oh no, God! No. I would never say anything like that. No, that's fine. So you just met Roger? Yes. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Good. Nice. Doing well. So,
8: um, you know. You Batman, Terry McGinnis, mm-hmm. the characters. Thank so, you. So, do you feel your extension of being Terry McGinnis kind of leaked over into playing
25: Um, A little bit. I mean, I think the, vo- the voice quality is kind of the same because they're both like those angst-ridden kind of teen, 20-year-old kind of thing. Yeah. But it was certainly different because Dick Grayson always has that... Um, why why don't you love me Batman kind of thing about him you know like oh he was never nice to me where I don't think Terry was ever like that Terry was Batman so he never had to like be in Bruce's shadow in any way shape or form and I think that was always just such a chip on Dick Grayson's shoulder where it was just like okay dude suck it up already you're a superhero for God's sake but he you know had to go off and establish himself as Nightwing and it's just another in the long line of Robins there has to come a time where people realize that maybe Bruce Wayne shouldn't raise people (laughs) I mean we've just got Robin after Robin after Robin that has problems. It's like, maybe don't give him a kid. Every now and then they die. Exactly, right. It's like, oh, I lost that one. It's like, oh, God, come on. Don't give... Let him just be alone. Uh, but, yeah, it's certainly... I mean, again, the voice quality is the same, but they're very different characters. So I think um, uh, Terry is more confident, whereas Dick is more cocky. Um, so, and I think there's a very different kind of tone between the two of them when it comes to that. So Dick is a little more of the guy where I, I imagine... Terry would kind of stand in the corner and just be a, a fly on the wall, whereas I think Dick is kind of the guy where after a half hour you just go, "Oh God, just shut up already." I don't want to hear you talk anymore. So that was always kind of the the, the vibe I got from him.
5: So this is your first role in a Batman anything for in a while? Yes,
25: no. Well, it's my third Unlimited. No, it's my fourth. It's my well, fourth so as Nightwing. The
22: franchise is your first in a
25: while. Uh. That's right, because I was
22: looking at the it, time, well, I was yeah. on
25: Brave and the Bold. The yeah, Beetle. I was Blue Beetle on Brave, and the, on Brave and the Bold. So there was kind of, but there was a bit of a gap where I was doing, you know, like Transformers and all that kind of stuff. So, so
22: coming back to like to the Bat family yep. proper, how does that feel?
25: It feels great, other than the fact that it's a horribly dysfunctional family. <laughs> um, no, it does. It's always, it's, you know, working with these guys and, and uh, you know, we've got incredible casts all over the place. Uh, it's always fun to hop back into a Batman movie. I mean, it's a Batman movie. So whether you're doing Return of the Joker, which is amazingly dark, or you're doing one of these G-rated ones, you're still in the Batman world. So it's pretty, pretty much one of the coolest worlds to possibly be in. So, love it.
8: You've voiced, um, you've voiced Blue Beetle, uh, mm-hmm. Terry McGinnis, Dick Grayson, uh, Kyle Rayner in Justice League at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find... Are, are you attracted to the DC Universe
25: in some way? Um, it's, I mean, I am in that... The, the DC universe is, is amazing, mm-hmm. but I'm just attracted to good stories. Right. And the thing is, DC always has amazing stories. But you know, so does Marvel. I don't want to say it out <laughs> loud, but I'm, right now I'm I'm you know Star Lord I'm Guardians of the Galaxy, so oh. um, you know being in the in the Marvel world is pretty amazing as well. Uh, I just I love good story, and and you know, the, the kind of the comic book world. I think people are finally waking up to the fact that there's back catalogs of some of the most amazing storytelling and writing in like the last 75 years of American history you look at some of the greatest stories ever and it's comic book I mean I always say it's our American mythology this is this is you know uh, this is Zeus this is Apollo this is uh, you know that kind of thing so you, you go back and you read all of these things and people are now starting to go like oh wow look at all this superhero stuff they're coming out with it's like no it's been out for half a century it's just now coming to your living room so you you get it. Um, but there are people lining up every Wednesday to buy these things for years so I think people are really just starting to catch up with how good the, the worlds really are and just, they're so rich and so fulfilling and especially for people that are comic book fans, I have to admit I'm really just getting into because I'm a fantasy geek with my, my fantasy novels um, that are, you know, this thick and it's book one of 14, that's what I love um, but you, I'm calling friends that are comic book friends and going, okay I'm at a certain point in, you know whatever comic book, X-Men or wherever I am and I know now I can go on this path and read this way or I can go and I have friends going oh no 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 backtrack two books sorry and then exactly now you gotta go off this way and then you gotta cut this. I love that stuff because I'm a, I'm a completist I absolutely love that stuff where I know it's like okay this is the next six months of my life there's some people that go like oh god I came to the that whereas I'm like oh this is- Yes. I, get me started I can't wait to do this so X-Men the most I think is the one where people are like oh wait you went this way no 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 you gotta go there and it's like oh god but I love it so,
8: so. okay well based based on that based on like you know your newfound reading some of the material yeah. is there a character that you would like to voice in a, in a, in a movie
25: um, you know what's funny is the character I always say I want to voice is is one from my childhood that's not in comic books or is but in lame comic books I've always wanted to be Cobra Commander really yeah because yeah, so yeah. like, well I mean that's the thing is it's I'm always the Young superhero. I've never played a bad guy. So, and then when you think about the the bad guy you want to play, I want to play the the lamest, worst bad guy ever. Who was Cobra Commander? He was the worst. So that idea of of being him as oh, that's always my answer. How would he sound like? He'd sound like Cobra Commander. He'd still have to be high and whiny and destro. I mean, he was just the greatest horrible villain ever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, that would by far be the one I would pick.
8: Did, did you enjoy seeing your character like Ted Because I remember seeing Justin the when up growing up. Did you like seeing that evolution of like, okay, this is where Terry's going? they've even been doing the comics
25: now where he's older now, now. Did you like that? I loved it. I, lo- I remember getting a call from Bruce Tim, and he said this was, I think, even pre- no, it must have been email. I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was, but pretty close to pre pre email. I mean, this was like 2001, 2002. So it was email, but it was like email. But I remember. So I think it was mailed at the time. He called. He said, "I am mailing you something right now. It's an episode called Epilogue. If you tell anyone about this." I'm coming to your house and I'm killing you. I was like, oh God, what is it? He's like, I'm not even gonna say it over the phone. Just read it and then call me back. And I remember reading it and it was like, oh, it's, oh, we get to see Terry in the future. And this is it. He's his dad. Like it was, it was unfreaking believable. So, and then when I actually saw it, how they did the kind of black and white film noir, and it was just, I thought the coolest thing in the world. Um, so yeah, that was. And then, and then of course, the first time I heard, cause again, I'm not really big into the comic book world, so I was doing one of these interviews. <laughs> And somebody said to me, like, "So, how do you feel now that they killed Terry?" And I went, Wh- "What? What?" <laughs> And they went. Yeah, he t- they killed him in the comic books. They're like you, you gotta be kidding. And then they brought him back. Yeah, him, but it was still him. like, what the hell are you talking about? So hearing the up the, the uproar after they they brought him back, like after they killed him to have him bring him back, that made me feel really good. I was yeah. like, good. Yes. I'm not the only one. It was like, I am not Jason Todd. I am not. <laughs> I am not a Robin, for God's sake. So thank God they wanted to bring him back. But yeah, that epilogue was. I mean, that whole recording session and Amanda Waller being yeah. really old and finding out that she had needed a Batman and had changed her uh, the writing was just off the chain for that episode so uh, yeah that was I love that absolutely love it and what a way to wrap up the whole series um, which we hoped we weren't done but it, it was what it was and uh, I think we, we grabbed our little place in Batman history uh, but uh, man yeah that episode was incredible can really?
6: you talk about Nightwing's story and <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> in he's the so-
25: movie we're doing now
6: yeah.
25: um, he's Nightwing you know it's one of those things where uh, uh, as I tell people again Bruce Tim, who's amazing, uh, once told me that there should be a bat. There should always be a Batman for everybody. And so, you know, the fact—I love the fact that we're doing a rated G Batman right as they just premiered *The Killing Joke*. Yeah. You know, there should always be that kind of Batman for every age to come in and enjoy. He's everybody already. Like, oh, exactly, oh, right, right exactly. Or you know, the you know, the, the, the dad takes his kid to go see the film we just did, and they both have a great time since so it's a Batman movie. And then he can go, all right, I'm here now. Here's your mom, and then go off and see *The Killing Joke* and have just as much fun. Is exactly what Batman should be like. And Batman, more than any other superhero, I think is really conducive to that kind of storytelling. You can go campy, you can go really badass, and everything in between. So, this story, what I love especially about Nightwing's story is that all this stuff is going on and he's Nightwing. He's kind of the comic relief again of everything going off, and that's what is so great about him. We just released the Lego movie um, where I was Nightwing. The first time I was ever a Lego, and I was the Lego that came with the box set. Thank you very much. Um, so, stuff like that. And again, it was, he's kind of the snarky, he's like the little brother who just was never given the attention that he needs. So, he's going out to be a superhero. Like, that's how I always got Nightwing. Um, and then, uh, Oh, we're going, okay. Um, but then again, because it's the Batman world, Nightwing can also just turn around and be the ultimate badass, which is why I can't wait to hopefully they're going to have a Nightwing movie, like yeah. a, like a full on feature yeah. movie, because the character deserves it. It's such a rich backstory that, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Batman. I you appreciate
16: much. it. As I'm caught on the thing, I'll, go talk, to those I'll
6: go talk to them. John DiMaggio, Batman Unlimited.
16: How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty All right.
21: Oh
8: yes. Um, so, yes, starting off, uh, yeah, voicing Killer
16: Croc. Yeah, voicing Killer Croc. How does it feel like voicing, you know, Croc in
8: this movie? I mean, obviously, it's more like a guy. Yeah, no, I mean it's
16: fun. Like, I mean this is a uh, you know, it's it's silly and it's and it's with action and it's it's a lot of fun I mean I, I, I enjoy doing these films um, they're, they're a blast and you know it's it's, uh, it's it's Killer Croc and he's 30 stories tall so it's just like oh Killer Croc is you know turns into Godzilla you know and it's uh, it's pretty awesome you know gotta love it
9: so, um, let's, say, let's take Jake out of the equation from, from Shape shape shit.
25: Like, um, you play a lot of big characters. Who's like,
16: the biggest character you you've ever played? I guess this version of Killer Croc, I mean, as far as size is concerned. Um, but, you know, I, I guess... I guess I play big characters because I'm a big guy and 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 my voice is big and there's a there's a cavern to work with here so it's like, you know, um, I think that helps. Um, I think that maybe there's short sight in this uh, on the side of casting. It's just like, let's just bring DiMaggio in and I'm just like, yeah, but, you know, Roger Craig Smith can yell really loud and really deeply, but it's fun. I You know, I, yeah, I... I I'm lucky. Like me and Fred Tatasciore got a lockdown and all sorts of stuff, which is great. There's um, a
6: range of characterization with Killer Croc. I've seen him really dumb. I've seen him sweet, actually, in Gotham Academy in the comics, and then of course villainous. How would you describe your character in this particular movie?
16: Um. Uh. A G-rated badass. Okay. <laughs> that's that's there you go. Does he eat people? Hmm. Does he eat people? No. Not in this one. No. 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 He's not oh, eating anybody. I mean, look. I mean, the difference <laughs> between this killer croc and the killer croc and Suicide Squad is uh, night and day. Um, but uh, but that's the beauty of this whole DC world. And, and, and the superhero world is that you can go you can go from camp to cutthroat you know you can do it's like there's something for everybody uh, in, in, in this world so that's that's really the best thing like that's the best part um, and and that you know and, and, and that's the joy of it because you can play all sorts of moments as far as like the acting is concerned, you know, within that world, um, and it's great because you know there's a cartoon for everybody of all you know everyone all ages, and and that's the way it should be. So
8: you voiced a lot of characters. Um, I remember King Shark a couple of years ago. Yeah, really yeah, fun. yeah. So, this might be tricky because you've done so much already. Is there anybody in your mind that you would like kind of waiting
16: to play from here on out? I'd like to take a shot at Batman. Just a version of Batman. Not like a Kevin, I'm not taking Kevin Conroy's job, but like if there's somebody that's doing, you know, if Bruce Tim's doing a Batman project and and they're not using, you know, they're not using uh, Kevin. I'd like to take a stab at it, but I'd probably be doing a campier campier sort of Batman.
8: Can you do an Adam West Batman Well,
16: he's got sort of a... Robin, I have this... <laughs> kind of has this floaty sort of thing. It's kind of Shatner-esque, you know? like. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit in that, but... Uh, 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 no, I just like that. That'd just be fun, taking a stab. I'd love to play the Joker again. That was great. love to play the Joker again. I'd love to play Aquaman again. Like, that was, yeah. I
8: you like, know actually, because that Aquaman to me was, like, the high point of Braden Bull. Like, he was actually the whole opposite of it. You know what's funny is,
16: is that I, it was down to Diedrich and I for Batman. Oh, okay. and he got Batman, and as a consolation prize, <laughs> I got Aquaman, and I was I was thrilled. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great!" Like you know, and everybody, you know, it's kind of like, oh, really? Been, you know, like, you know, I'm like, yeah, man, it's Aquaman. Dude, seventy-five percent of the world is water. So it's my world, yo. You're just swirling and trying to get out of it. And uh, and and so so basically. And we just went overboard with it and just made him this, you know, gregarious, wonderful human being. His family is just... Oh, like yeah. You know, the that, co- that family road trip episode. that, you know, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the land road trip, was genius. And it was great stuff. And James Tucker is fantastic. Those guys, the guys that worked on that show were absolutely brilliant. Um... And 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 that was that was a joy, we sang songs, we did you know <laughs> musical numbers, it was great, you know, it was like it was it was fantastic, and that's the kind, I mean, I, I love that camp, and so it was just and, and and Aquaman, like people were like, dude, you made Aquaman cool again, man, and I was like, well, that's that's a great compliment, it's you and
8: boy. y'all both
16: made him, yeah, cool. yeah, right, uh, yeah, well, geez. he he's like, yeah, he's <laughs> hardcore, I don't, I'm not getting in that dude's way. <laughs> Yeah, he's underground. Yeah, that yeah the end of Did you see the trailer that came out
14: yesterday?
16: No, I didn't. Oh, oh, man. man. Really?
14: Overweight.
16: Yeah. Because I loved him in Game of Thrones. He was great yeah. in Game of Thrones. Oh, he looks great oh, I bet he, I bet he does. He's probably eating, like, one can of tuna fish a day. Oh, no.
8: I saw you online you did a voice of Tracy
16: Morgan. It was like... Yeah, that's right. That's for real. <laughs> and,
8: like, I remember just hearing <laughs> <laughs> it and it sounded like... I was like, uh, no, oh, my God. I, like, oh, my God. Like, I
16: came up with Tracy Morgan doing stand-up. So I know Tracy. Yeah. And 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 Tracy and I go way back. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him like for a while now. Like after, like the accident happened. I hadn't seen him. Hopefully next time I'm in New York, I'll run into him. But but he's. I mean, I go way back with him. He <laughs> he. I used to I used to go to this bar in in L. A. And he would be there, and he would come up to me and go, Yo, John i mean, like, what's up, Trace? Yeah, we gotta get that Chappelle money. <laughs> That's for real. You gonna be my Neil Brennan? And yeah, and, and uh, but I mean, he was he used to coming to the club uh, when I did stand up. He would come in the club, and everybody would everybody would go to the back of the club to watch him. And you know, he'd get up on stage in like a, a wife beater t-shirt with a towel like wrapped on his belt and a do rag to get his wave right. And he would just step up on stage and be rubbing his belly and just be like... Yeah, I'm gonna get somebody breaking in here tonight. That's the world. And it was crazy. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and and he was, you know, mimicry is the sincerest form of flattery. And I, I, I love Tracy. Tracy's would you ever
8: try to do a Tracy Morgan as an approach to a character And that kind
16: of voice? Actually, I, I did use Tracy Morgan to do this character on Penguins of Madagascar that was an alien. And what they did was they reversed it. They, they they I recorded it, and then they played it backwards. So it was kind of, and, and all I play, all I said was like, flap a a, and just spoke gibberish, and then they played it backwards. So it was just like a, a Tracy Morgan speaking gibberish in reverse. as a. penguin? At, no, not as a penguin as a, as, as, a, a as an alien, alien as an alien creature. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so it, that so I did get to. Stick him in there.
8: So you did, Martinez. Yes. And, like,
16: okay, so and Gears of War four is coming out in October. I'm psyched about so that. Gears
8: three, uh, Ice T is in it. What was that like? That
16: I didn't get to meet him, but he oh. was really. Um, it's pretty funny because he was he was trying to win the scene.
8: this whole scene between both of y'all characters yeah. was just funny, just because like oh he's really like pissed off. Yeah, yeah, like,
16: yeah. Nah, yeah. He tried to he tried to to win that scene. And then um, like, he blew his voice out trying to... Because I was like... Yeah, I... I and he, I kind of beat Ice-T. It,
0: it was... Yeah, it was
16: kind of... That's kind of funny. He couldn't... He couldn't hang. I mean, I'm not going to say that he... He can hang. He's the man, but... this particular moment, it was... No, it was... It was, it was Marcus's... It was Marcus's moment. And he was... Yeah, he's... Yeah. But he's great, and he was great in the game. And he just did a... I just saw him do a, a cover of. Um,
25: oh my God! What was it? With with body count. God, he's great. You know,
16: he's badass. They did a cover of somebody. It was a Pantera, or somebody like. They did a cover. and It was nuts. Like his band is
25: tight. Oh my
16: God! It's really great. Yeah, totally intense. And they played. They played the Gears of War three party that year in L. A. Yeah. Body count shows up at the at the at the at the rap party for the game, or the, you know, the, or the you know the big uh, big the big show. when it oh, it was awesome. So, of the many DC villains that
22: you've played in the past few years, what's been either your favorite or the most memorable? Which one like sticks with you?
16: Well, the Joker. Um, the Joker definitely, especially um, in that story. Yeah, I was
8: say, is that, is that Especially, story
16: especially in that story. Um you know I'd love li- yeah that's that That was the really cool thing about it that it was such a serious tape on on uh, you know on the Joker I really enjoyed that cause you know playing jokes and being silly is great but like you know scaring the Jesus out of somebody. feeding children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is uh, is also kind of fun too. So.
8: Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, like crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just wipes just everybody just out.
16: out. I'm going to need some guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not these guys, because they're all dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. When you're crazy. coming up with an
6: approach
16: for a character, do you
6: just need an image or do you read? I mean, what is The image. I'll put it to
16: you this way: for a, for an actor that predominantly does animation or video games, or you know, is the, is a voice actor, the character design, when somebody shows you what it is, that's your costume. You put on that costume, and you know, you use your tools and your imagination to figure out where the voice is placed. You know, you incorporate what the faces look like. And then, you know, and and then you go from there. And then, you know, you hear what the writer and the producer and the director have to say and they, you know, they chip in and it's a collaboration. Or you've brought something completely, you know, 100% and you're like, "Yeah, no, I'm not changing it. I'm doing this. I'm doing that." I mean, it all depends on you are to kind of cloud you. I mean, I'm not going to go in and be like, "Nope, not changing it." That's the thing I'm doing, and that's not going to work. You gotta, you know, you gotta mix it up a little bit. So it's it's not just on you; it's on everybody.
8: So. You said earlier that like you always you tend to voice all kind of really gregarious characters, or other physically big characters, how you, probably, you know, know, characters, about person, personality yeah. like as a defender. What, John, you're okay. ending it after this. Okay. what do you think as a character or performance that where you had to kind of like go really outside the box and really kinda of make it different for yourself? Uh,
16: I think the Joker was probably one of those roles. I mean, you know, to, to to really focus to really focus on the the diabolical you know maniacal personality of that character and to hone it. You know, to hone it in. And yet have these moments of explosion, and then focus, you know, like that, in a, a, a change of you know, change of a, like, just flip of a dime, bam. I think that was, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was challenging, and that was, that's something that I really, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of that role, like, you know. So, all right.
6: Thank you very much. All right, cool. After those, I went to a Spider-Man panel. Um, which was really weird because it was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. It was in a small room that I'm not really used to. Uh, one of the like editors and chiefs or like creative officers, Axel Alonzo wasn't even there. People showed up late who were on the panel. Like it was a lack of enthusiasm and it was, it was super weird. I don't know what's going on with that i did see the world premiere of batman unlimited mechs versus mutants again super fun uh, they don't have so tim drake has been the robin in the first two and as red robin you know and if you've been seeing it voiced by yuri lowenthal whom i love and if you've watched them you've seen like he's played off as a bit of a joke and like a rookie and and you know eh, a little bit like developing but he wasn't there, Yuri Lowenthal wasn't there, I'm like, something's weird about this, and, and his costume looked different when I saw the trailer, so I thought, huh, which, which Robin is this? So it's Damien Wayne, but I will say that Damien is not at all portrayed like Damien, so if you're coming in for sort of like the hard-nosed Damien, um, who, who goes all the time, it's not him. This Robin is like quintessential Tim Drake pre-Flashpoint Robin. So just to get a sense. So there's like a weirdness about characterizations, but it is, you know, just a fun movie. Uh, But I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed many of them. And then finally, I went to the uh, anniversary, the 20th anniversary of DC Birds of Prey. And the, the Benson sisters were there. Gil Simone. Chuck Dixon was supposed to be there, but wasn't. Jordan... Gorfingle was there and then joseph illage was also there who was an editor and that was really fun just to revisit um everything and certainly a pro women panel and, and women in comics and on the inside and outside which i think is great and i think that was it and then you know the convention that was two to three and the convention floor closes at five so i just walked around um with Dawn, he went shopping for some shirts I'd convinced I tried to convince him to get there's a Kamala Khan shirt but was on the outside and the outsides are generally females female sized and uh, I convinced him like just get it but get a large you know like how many Kamala Khan shirts are there really and uh sadly they only had a small and a medium so it would have been too tight on him but uh yeah that was fun and then we uh met up with Josh and I think this was our our last dinner and, yeah, just chatted after that. Monday is always, you know, Sunday's about, you know, I think just spending time together. And I wish some of the conversations we could have recorded because they were um, really good. Not only, you know, comics related, but just, you know, fun uh, being together. But Monday is hard just because, you know, people are leaving, right? Um, so we all went to, Don had a 3 p.m. flight, which is later than normal because he usually goes in the morning or really early in the afternoon and so we went to see star trek the new one i can't even remember its title now beyond aha star trek beyond um i enjoyed it i don't think it was as fun or like exciting as the previous couple have been so i will put that out there and then we saw dawn off and then Josh and I went to SeaWorld, which is my first experience of SeaWorld, and he goes to the one in Florida all the time. So he wanted to see the other one across the pond, even though it's not really across the pond. And as I'm leaving, as we're leaving SeaWorld, uh, and I will say that I am now hyper aware of of sea life after seeing Finding Dory and the touch tanks. I didn't even put my hands in them because I was just thinking like. Oh. Like the poking and all of that stuff I didn't want to do it to them So I I was more of a look, don't touch kind of thing Um, I did see a Beluga's Wee Wee And uh, it was attempting to mate And uh, I could only watch that for so long It seemed not right to to just keep staring At its attempts Come here baby
16: Take off your clothes Slowly I want to enjoy watching you peel each layer From your body Shh Don't say a word
2: I want
6: to make love to you. So, uh, anyways, as I was leaving, as we were leaving, SeaWorld, I get a call. American Airlines, my flight is canceled. My flight is at 10.15. You know, it's 7 p.m. and they're calling me. It's canceled. So now I'm like, oh, great, what am I going to do? So I'm going back to the hotel that I was staying at and contemplate you know do i shell out another 250 dollars for this or do i you know for basically a night's sleep or i don't know sleep at the airport is also you know get a new flight i ended up staying there for one last night which was a bit of a bummer again you know i come and i leave with like a big expense what's up with that that's i was just like the hits keep on coming with this trip so um, uh, next flight was at seven thirty. um and, well, I'm back, so you can tell that it worked out for the best. But, um, you know, over all this trip, it was tough. It was tough emotionally. It was physically and emotionally draining. It was tough on my wallet as well. You know, if if I was on the fence, it would certainly push me off and say this is the last Comic-Con that I'm doing. But the fact that, you know, those 40 minutes I think will stay in my mind for a very long time, and, and uh, you know, that's the reason I do it. That's that's the reason, and um, it's also because I get to be with, you know, these two wonderful guys that mean so much to me that I, I keep coming back as well. So, and and not to say that we wouldn't be friends without Comic-Con, but it's just a nice cohesive factor. So, I do suggest i don't know i you should go to a con sometime but it really does depend on uh, your ability to be around a lot of people so maybe smaller cons are better for some and larger ones are better for others but it's just an experience and it's a total cultural immersion and it's a whole new world for sure and i think that is it for my wrap-up man i just talked 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 and that was totally un dialogued unwritten out unscripted there you go so there you go so i will at least let me comment that i have gotten emails from people and there are comments on the website not addressing them this episode but you can expect them to be addressed in the next episode it's going to you know back to its regular format so that's about it you can send any questions or comments to me, uh, either about San Diego Comic-Con, about anything else, to, to Oracle at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, follow it on Twitter at to Oracle. Follow The Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. And support TBU and therefore support BTO by going on the TheBatmanUniverse.net and clicking on the Support TBU link. I donated. I think we're up to 39%. 39 people. If every one of you who listens gave one dollar, one dollar, I think we'd be done. I, I know we would be done. I think Dustin has said something before that, so just a dollar would be lovely. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast. Thank you to DC Comics. Thank you to DCPR. Thank you to all of the uh, creators that I was able to interview, and uh, yeah. Until next time, fly
4: on, Babs lovers.
6: International 2016. We hope
16: you're all your
4: time.
0: just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling daredevil.
4: Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?
13: Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, there was a princess named Donovan. The only thing that Donovan wanted in his whole kingdom was Asian. Was...
18: Oh, no.
13: together. <laughs> there was no pressure. <laughs> the only thing (laughs) in the kingdom that donovan wanted was asian piglet feet and i don't mean piglet like a baby piglet we're talking about the winnie the pooh character here oh it actually says that in the book so
6: was that an editor's note
13: no it's 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 look right here on the page yeah so the people of the kingdom searched far and wide to get asian piglet feet for their princess but all they could find were mexican piglets and african piglets and princess donovan said no 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 this won't do then one day his most loyal knight dustin came to him with an ancient scroll and said okay according to this you could find an asian piglet up on top of that mountain behind the kingdom You just gotta climb it, okay? So Donovan set out on his journey far and wide to climb heights that he never had before, but he knew that the prize of sweet piglet Asian feet would drive him. He got. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) He got halfway up the mountain when he saw a big gate. He couldn't get to the other side. He would have given up, but he was determined. He said, no, 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 I have to get there. My sweet Asian piglet tootsies are on the other side, and I must hold them in my hands yesterday. He tried climbing over the gate, but his hands were too slippery from eating ice cream to get to the other side. He tried digging under, but he forgot that he didn't know how to dig, because all he had were the chopsticks from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Christmas Splinter Song. The turtles gave to me. Just when he was about to give up, a light shone from above, pointing to a bush. He looked in the bush, and there was a key, and he heard a voice saying, "'Donovan, take this key. It will lead you to your prize.' To your Asian little (laughs) piglets. Oh, no. (laughs) Who do you think that voice was?
24: Was it Pooh?
13: No. (laughs) It was Donald Trump. Oh. He had a megaphone and a giant flashlight. He was around back then when the store was being told. So Donovan unlocked the gate and ran through. There were steps leading up to the temple on top. He opened the door, and there, sitting on the throne at the end of the broom,
18: was an Asian
13: piglet, barefoot, sleeping. Donovan said, at last, and ran over. But
21: this- really?
18: We just
13: getting
18: to the best part. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh,
8: no.
18: <laughs> we're reading
13: the Paul Dini book. And... Really?
0: Yeah.
8: What's
0: <laughs> no, no, it's very tragic.
13: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Very tragic. He, oh, he couldn't gosh. open the gate, oh, no. And his dreams were on the other side. Oh, no. What do we do now? <laughs> I don't <know. laughs> I don't think we can keep reading. I think we should wait. Hello. Hello. Okay. At the end of the, hall, the Asian piglet, So the princess ran to the other side of... down the throne, but the thunderous footsteps woke up the Asian piglet, who saw this princess with a crazed, hungry look in his eyes. That only meant trouble. The Asian piglet screeched, "Help, p- 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 piglet, me!" But before Asian piglet could even finish the words, her feet were grabbed by the princess, who said, "At last, I have what I desired. Help, p- 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 piglet, me!" So he took his Asian piglet back down to <laughs> back down to the castle and kept it in a birdcage right by his bed where every morning, before doing princess stuff, he stuck his hands in the cage and grabbed the little piglet feet. The princess was very happy. As a result of the happy princess, the kingdom prospered and had a great harvest. The only person who was not happy was Asian piglets. But Asian piglets' story for revenge would have to come another day to be continued.
25: I am done now with the coconut rage. Titans,
0: we need a new food source, fast! but all we got
4: here is garbage coconuts. Maybe we should check the other side of the island. Ooh, but that is the unexplored side of the island. Who can say what mysteries await us there? The mysterious side of the island. Woo-woo-doo, woo-doo, is where the mysteries lie. Woo-doo, woo-woo-woo, it is a different from my land. Woo-doo, woo-woo-woo Where marbles await the eye
21: Woo-doo, woo-doo But shrouded in
4: the mysteries Woo-woo, doo-woo-woo
3: Ancient treasures to discover
4: Woo-woo-woo, doo-woo-woo So... As an adventure awaits the brave of hopes. Woo-doo, woo-doo, but there's a shadow on that wall.
18: Woo-to-woo-doo, woo-doo, woo-doo, woo-doo. That's good start. To the other side of the island!